Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. Hi there, I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome back to Bros Watch PL2. This week we're talking about S7 E14 Power Play. Mm. This is written by Elijah Braz, directed by Roger Cumble. Mm-hmm. How's it going, Marco? It's going good. How are you? Uh, I've been uh, struck with a sudden head cold in the middle of almost summer, so, you know, not great, Bob. <laughs> Uh, hopefully my voice won't give out in the middle of this podcast. That would suck. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. It would be like vague wheezing on my side. Yes. Um, it's like your health opened a door and there was Pastor Ted. I don't care for that similitude. I'm not sure what it means, but. Mm. <laughs> Talking Pastor Ted. But yeah, power play. Um, a lot of people like this episode. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was like light years better than the one before. I feel like a lot of people are rating this high just because they got lots of, you know, answers. Um, I guess it sounds like I'm damning the faint praise there. Um, I did really like the episode. I just think that the last episode was pretty good, too, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of fun stuff happens here. Lots of lots of reveals, lots of stuff we long predicted would come to pass, came to pass, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was rough when the promo photos had Ted and uh, Hannah. And she's like holding the uh, the picture, the phone with the pictures of like kids on it, and it was like it was pretty easy to to guess his uh, revelation there. Um, no, I don't know if you can say it's better or worse than the previous one. It's just a, another solid episode in the final season of PLL. We did have some very juicy Arya stuff happening. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Well, yeah. any uh, follow up before we begin? No. I wanted to thank the Empress Sarah on Twitter for pointing out that eye donations are apparently a real thing. Oh, Lenny Briscoe. Sure. Apparently, Jerry Orbach famously <laughs> donated his eyes. He did. That's that was Is he dead. She, that's what she pointed out. Oh yeah, he's been dead for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm, R.I.P. Man. That's what torpedoed whatever the fourth like Law and Order spinoff was. Um, that he didn't have eyes anymore. No, that he died. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that he didn't have eyes. He, he just wore sunglasses, like he had soul all of a sudden. Um, yeah, that was the. Um, the ad that she tweeted at us, like mm. the subway ad, is that you could get Jerry Horbach's eyes, which really are the most New York of eyes. I'm still not totally sure if that's a real thing. Well, I mean, is it, it so you can see them? Like they can just like do a working transplant and suddenly, boom, you have the power of vision? I guess. Hmm. Huh. You know, it's like that time when you you read that article about like the first successful like face transplant and you click on the picture and you're like, ooh. Off. Are you um, sure that it was success? Yeah. And we also got a lot of people just pointing out the. There's been like these various mentions of Spencer and horseback riding over the course of the show, and it's like sometimes it seems like she's like very experienced, and sometimes it seems like she's less experienced. And like, why would she take horseback riding lessons at a camp if she knew how to horseback ride? I don't know if there's too much we can read into on that. Plus, I feel like if you go to horseback camp writing camps for five years you probably just brag about it a lot and you probably learn some interesting life lessons yeah like how to play ping pong yeah all right well let's get into it here fuck yeah 
so we pick up where we left off last time, somewhat. We're in Ezra's apartment at night, sometime later. Arya is just sitting at the island counter, collecting her many, many thoughts. Uh, we pan around, the door opens, which she's been expecting. We watch the look on her face as she prepares for this. It's Ezra, of course. Um, she's like, hey. Well, she, she hardly even reacts. She's just like, hey. Yeah, she's been, turn around. <laughs> she's been expecting this, probably like running this conversation through her mind for hours. So he stands there watching her, probably gauging how much fucking shit he's in. And she's like, Nicole's upstairs. She's sleeping. So we like kind of like focus in on an Ezra, this ghost in the background has been a sick blur. And he's like, I'm so sorry. She just took off. Someone saw her get in a cab outside the trauma clinic. She starts to like turn to face him and her whole attitude is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's well, you know, like, he's, he sure says, I'm so sorry a lot. It seems yeah, like yeah. so much that it doesn't seem very sincere. No. And he's like, her parents, her therapist, we've all been looking for her for hours. And he's like, she didn't tell you that she was coming here. And he's like, no, she didn't. So thank you for texting me and letting me know. And she's like, Ezra, of course. What do you think that text was? I'm she's so like, sorry. But, oh, yo, no, from her? I think it was like, yo, Z, your other fiance's here. You think she started calling him Z? Or maybe just for that text. Ooh, shades of Jackie. Like if, like if you're Ezra and you get that text, I think you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> That's like, that's like when you realize you have to. Oh, I can't do my Ezra voice right now. Oh, it's like when you realize you have to go to Samsara to meet the deaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, he's like, I will take her back to the clinic first thing tomorrow, and that's really all there is to say about it. And she's like, okay, so she gets up, she's picking up her purse, like she's making a show that she's leaving. But he takes this as like an affront to his good guyness, so he like moves to stop the blocker, and he's like, hey, you don't have to go. And she's like, I'm not taking the sofa. Boom. Oh, I love that line. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she workshopped that one. She was waiting for, for the right time to unveil that one, to fire that one out of the cannon. Well, it's like then she kind of she follows it up with something a little bit softer. She's just like, and Nicole's already asleep upstairs. You know, your fiance, your other fiance. And he's like, again, I'm so sorry. I uh-huh. I know how difficult. And she's just like. Aria, or Ezra, I'm fine. Which, Not mad. Nope. <laughs> well, it's like she's giving him this hard look that just says, like, this right here, this is my limit, motherfucker. <laughs> or past it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ripped a little bit, and she's like, I'm just tired, and I thought that I should stay until you got back. And he's like, I'm really glad that you did. Thank you again. And then finally she's like, I don't know what you've told her about us or what you haven't told her. But there are pictures of me all over this place. My clothes are upstairs in your closet. She's going to have a lot of questions in the morning. With that, she maneuvers past him and goes out the door. And he kind of half turns. No clever retort. Trying to figure out his next move is. This well, he's doing this like whole kind of like full body turn, you know, yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's really waiting for that that clever thing to say to make it all right. And he's got nothing. Well, it, it's it's great to hear Arya talking about this presence of hers. Her clothes are upstairs. There's pictures everywhere. Because, like, you know, for so long in the show, the the drastic age difference, the power differential in the relationship, like her inclusion in his living space was such a massive part of their romance. Um, yeah. I don't well, know I'm, why. Huh, go ahead. So, no, no, go ahead. I was like, I don't know why, but some part of this made me think I would love to see Lucy Hale in like a production of Closer. Okay, uh, as an Natalie Portman character, I assume. Well, then my question for you is, can you imagine all four of the PLL ladies in Patrick Marber's Closer? Like a fist wrapped in blood. 
Obviously, uh, Troy, Troy would play Clive Owen, of course. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I, I'm really loving just the steel in Arya's voice here. Like, she's no longer, like, the doe-eyed, innocent girl. Like, she, she knows the score. She's not going to suffer for Ezra's feelings right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's future Arya. Um, also, Ashley Benson's Jude Law. Shay Mitchell's Julia Roberts? I guess, oh. yeah. Um, Does yeah, that so mean, go- like, Ashley Benson eventually slaps Lucy Hale? That's how that goes, right? You're like, I'm gonna need another take. Yeah. I mean, just time, just really do it like you mean it. No, mm-hmm. don't. Um, Allison's place. Uh, so this is where Arya went. Uh, I I assumed that she texted Spencer first, and Spencer like texted her back an emoji of a sock hanging off a door handle, and so Arya's like, all right, gotta go to Allie's. I feel like there's that. Maybe Spencer actually ties a sock outside the barn on all the doors. Um, maybe she's just really good at one hand texting while, you know, in coitus. He's just maybe like, she actually took a, a, a photo and like let let pictures speak louder than words. Or like, or like you know wow, full penetration. Thank you, Spencer. I get the idea. That's a hell of a photo. Uh and, but like, no, what if what if like the PLL sometimes do? She's just like, let's make it a FaceTime call. I accept. <laughs> or he's like, oh, <laughs> Well, this is starting off as, as a good podcast here. Uh, yeah, anyway, Allie leads Arya into the living room here, and she's saying the guest room's made up. You want something to sleep in, like a T-shirt? Or, and Arya's like, no, I'm okay. I sleep in the nude. And then she kind of half smiles, and she says, thank you, really. You're saving me from having to face my parents in the morning. They still don't really understand the whole Nicole situation. And Allie's like, do you? Best question she's asked in years. So you get to see Arya pondering, like, how to answer that maturely. Just, <laughs> yeah. I understand why he wants to help her, especially after seeing her, all those leaves in her hair. And Ali's like, have you eaten? And Ari says, I'm not hungry. I feast on souls and you have none. And then Ali says, that's not what I asked. Come on. So they go into the kitchen, but then, oh shit, the game board has magically moved in Ali's dining room right now mm-hmm. all by itself. It's got the uh, black box cover on it. And Ali's like, oh my God. And Ari says, how long has that been here? And Ali says, I don't know. So they hurry over. They lift up the lid off of it. Game board is uh, fully lit up. It's like playing some vague carnival music. There's all these lights flashing on and off. Um, the game board pieces are on the board now, and they're kind of like moving around on their own. Like there's magnets underneath them. Like like they're seizing underneath. Yeah. Yeah. The phone in the center, the the game phone is like seemingly like glitching out. It's got all this like weird diagnostic stuff showing on it, like a like a post screen or something like that. It's doing all this weird shit. And Ari says, is there a chance, any chance this thing's broken? And Ali says, it's not broken. It's deciding. And then we see both the Aria and Ali figures are kind of moving around these little circles next to each other on either side of uh, the church there. And then we go to the credits. Yeah. It's a hell of a, a sight to see this thing. Yeah. Like having its little seizure. Well, um, this is the first time we've seen it move the game pieces. We've, yeah. We've seen them having been moved in the past, but yeah, it's the first time we see them move on their own. I would love to just see like what is underneath this, like the, the construction of this thing. Yeah. Presumably those must be magnets that are being controlled underneath there. Seemingly the inside is magnets, deadly gas, secrets, and knives. <laughs> Lots of knives. We need the full on like the spinning buzzsaw thing that come out. Man, next I, can't, week. I can't wait for the next episode. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, like, Again, kudos, even when it looks like it's fucking up. Like, I love that Allison does the work of making it even more ominous, you know, because it's disturbing. 
God forbid A's just like, fuck, I knew we should have paid a test of this thing. <laughs> AD sends him a text. It's like, uh, you know, can he go uh, turn that thing off and then turn it on again? Just just <laughs> wait 15 seconds. You tried rebooting it? Yeah. I mean, I would, but I'm exhausted from moving it magically into your home. <laughs> Which is, it's got to be heavy, right? It seems like it, yeah. I mean, it's big. Yeah, that's that's a tough move. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we get the credits. Allie is the shusher, leaving, of course, Arya, the hammer, for the next episode. Mm-hmm. And then it's the next morning. We're looking at Spencer's nightstand there. We see a uh, silver or maybe stainless steel uh, watch there on the nightstand. Not the kind of watch she wears. And her phone, it starts ringing. Allie's calling. And Spencer kind of groggily reaches over for the phone to answer it, inadvertently knocking the watch onto the floor. And she's like, Allie? And we cut over to Allie's place. She's not in a good mood. She's just staring at this game board still. Um, just It's still like flashing and being crazy. And she says, I called you last night. And Spencer says, I was busy. What's up? And then she gets up and slides out of bed. And we see, oh, behind her in bed is a sleeping Detective Marco Fury, shirtless. Get it, girl. Wiped out. Yeah. In need of some electrolytes. Oh, yeah. I have so many thoughts about this hookup. We'll get to them at the end of the scene. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Allison's like, uh, the game board's what's up. And, uh, you know, Fury's wiener. Uh, when exactly did we decide to move to my house? Was this your idea? I like how you said Fury there. Did I? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so Spencer <laughs> goes around to the corner of her bedroom nook. Like, in the background, we see uh, uh, Marco, like, rolling over in his sleep. Those are kind of like quickly ducks around that corner. And she's like, you're joking, right? It took me an hour to get that monstrosity out to the loft so that nobody would see it. You're saying that it's gone. I was like, it's not gone, Spencer. It's on my dining table. She's like, does that mean that it's your turn? And I was like, it hasn't decided yet. So <laughs> Spencer sighs and like Marco's like seemingly like awake and he calls out like, are you always up this early? Because, you know, he can probably hear most of her side of this conversation. So Spencer kind of leans back around, smiles at him. And Spencer whispers, like, hey, good morning. And Allison on the phone's like, who are you talking to? And she says, uh, nobody, but I really do have to go. Uh, I'll, I'll call you back. Bye. Um, and Allison's, her face is just like, what the fucking fuck? Did she just fucking hang up on me? Um, I don't think he overheard her there. I don't know. He seems asleep. They were talking that loud. The space of eavesdropping is uh, an interesting, ever-changing concept in, uh, in Rosewood. But uh, yeah, so having hung up, she walks back into the bedroom area where, where Marco's like sitting up on the bed. She sits on her phone and she's well, like, the, hey, I, I want to point out she's still got that big bandage on her chest uh, mm-hmm. for the bullet, which uh, yeah, sexy. Also, that is like right in the middle of her upper chest. Like that seems like more than a sling. Like, I feel like this wound keeps moving around mm-hmm. <laughs> like where it is right now. That's like piercing your aorta. Yeah, I think that thing moves around, especially after last night. Uh-huh. Um, Spencer's like, hey, did you sleep okay? He's got this like, smug bro smirk on his face. And he's right. like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Spencer comes close. And she's like, I'll go make us some coffee. And he's like, or you get back in the bed for a little bit. So they start to smooch. Um, his phone starts ringing. He sighs, checks it. Or he says, I really need to check this. I'm waiting on an, an update of case. So he slides out of bed, kneels down, picks up his phone, which is probably hanging in his pants on the floor there. Um, whatever he sees in the phone, like startles him a little bit. Spencer notices that she's like, everything. Okay. And he's got this like very like sudden stone face change of demeanor as he grabs his pants. And he's like, I just need to ha- hang in a little earlier than I expected. And she's like, well, what case is it? And his, 
He says, sorry, can't talk about it. But his whole demeanor screams, you know, your case. Um, well, he tries to play a, cool, but I think Spencer is picking up on that because she's playing cool as well. Yeah, I mean, I would think that definitely her spidey sense is tingling, her Spencer spidey sense. But uh, he finishes the pants. He's like, we'll call you later, okay? And she puts on a happy face. She's like, yeah, of course. She watches him walk off, like, you know, possibly contemplating all this means. I just got to say, man, this girl fucks up law enforcement like she's Al Capone. Sure, yeah. Well, let's think about the timeline of this hookup here. Oh, yeah. So when last we saw these two you know what's erotic is grief and uh severed fingers yeah rotting flesh so he'd been called in to uh open up this package they'd received and found like a rotting finger and meanwhile she was comforting the uh just devastated grief-stricken toby there at the hospital Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now at some point she has to i don't know put toby to bed i don't know what she does with him she gets rid of him she comes home she spends an hour moving the game board outside because mm-hmm. she senses that uh, she might have some company. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, some some sort of texting probably takes place. A little you up, come over type stuff. Uh, hey, so you he up? can come over there. Yeah. You up? Yeah. She's been busy. Yeah. Yeah. You would think that she would be exhausted. <laughs> but no, one always has energy to play sexual Jumanji. <laughs> yeah. So. Cut. <laughs> He's like, let me, let me tell you about the day I've had. And she's like, no words. Bad finger. Uh, so cut to Lucas's loft. We see some bread pop out of a toaster that Hannah's standing in front of. She's on the phone with Lucas, who we don't see. And she says, yeah, Caleb's doing better. They sent him home last night. No, Lucas, it's not your fault. I should have been there. Well, maybe the investors will change their mind. All right, we'll talk soon. So she hangs up. Uh, I guess that's the end of Hannah's fashion career. I don't know. <laughs> that was short-lived. Uh, Emily comes rushing into the scene. She's got some concerns about the shirt that she's wearing. She's kind of like holding it out, uh, you know, off her body. And she's like, does this smell? And Hannah's like, what? And Emily says, one sniff, please. So Hannah smells Emily's boobs. And Emily says, I was supposed to do laundry last night, but I was out following Sydney until 4 a.m. And Hannah's like, Emily, you're fine. Emily, it's a school night. Yes, your point. <laughs> you can't be training people till four a.m. You need to cut it off at three a.m. Well, as we're gonna see, uh, Emily not too concerned about arriving on time. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Hannah says you're fine. Emily says okay, but then when she turns around, Hannah kind of sneers at her back, and she says, "Except for that giant coffee stain, how did it even get there?" And he's like, "What? Senora Mott tripped in the teacher's lounge and got it all over me. That seems rude." Yeah, Emily just takes her shirt off right there, and Hannah tosses her another one that was just like sitting on the couch, or, or I guess that was from the laundry bin. Hannah's laundry bin there, um, and we see Emily just put the new shirt on there as they're talking. Uh, it, it is interesting, like Emily's outfit here. She's got these like kind of like leather ankle high boots on, mm-hmm. these like incredibly tight high waisted jeans, and a t shirt. And I guess this is how she goes to school. Yep, <laughs> those are like really tight jeans. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hannah, of course, meanwhile, just has this like crazy, like lacy. I don't even know what to call this thing. It's some sort of like weird shirt with like these like frills around the shoulders. Um, It's like you can see you can see everything underneath. Basically, uh, you probably wouldn't wear this to a teaching job either, I guess. <laughs> but perhaps if you're a fashionista, it goes well. I feel like the bar is. <laughs> you know, it's been set long ago for 
whatever the occasion. Like the questions of would I wear this kimono to a police interrogation? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Yes, I would. Well, see, the, the great thing about some of these shots here is we can see right into their fridge and uh, some of what they're stocking there. Not only do they have the uh, they've got some Red Bull, but then also sugar free Red Bull, too. Yeah. Uh, as well as like champagne, beer, water, some like preserves, lots of yogurt. It looks like that's quite the fridge for them. Yeah. Anyway, what are they talking about? Uh, so Hannah says, so what happened last night? Did Sydney lead you to Jenna? And he's like, not unless Jenna lives in the bathroom of a Greyhound bus. Hmm. She says, that's where Sydney left the tracker we put in her bag. By the time I found it, we were halfway to Pittsburgh. AD is still one step ahead and I'm 40 minutes late to work. So she then grabs that piece of toast from the toaster, takes a bite, and she's like, can I eat this? And Hannah's just like, what? You know, and then Emily goes, like, throws on her coat. And Hannah's like, like how does Emily still have a job? She's an hour late. It's like her yeah. third day. Yeah. Like, to, to think she was giving Addison Derringer all that shit for missing practice. Also, just a plain piece of bread. No butter, no nothing. Uh, it's monstrous, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... what she does with that bread is just untenable. You're already 40 minutes late to work. Go ahead and be the 41 minutes. Yeah, I can see some something. jam in the fridge there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to open your door and know there's jam. Um, yeah. So she's like, throw well, it in the just coat. The, that detail with Sydney, though, putting the tracker in a bathroom of a Greyhound bus. Nice. Like, that yeah. is a good move. Yeah. I didn't think she had it in her. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie to you. Um, but Sydney is very surprising this episode. So Hannah's like, um, and I was like, yes. And I was like, I'm the first one that hasn't completed her turn. Emily like looks like now she's suddenly too late to give a proper shit about this. And she's like, look, I know that you're worried, but maybe putting Caleb in the hospital and hurting your business was your punishment. Just try not to freak out over something you can't control. So she yeah, kind of gives her, gives her a nod and Hannah, Hannah faces her way right into this, this situation. It's not very particularly comforting. So then we get to the, the well, Emily, Emily eating more just plain toasted bread on the way out. That's so crunch, gross. crunch, 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 yeah. crunch. Yeah. Uh, the teachers are on a Rosewood High. Some people are clearing out after like a meeting. Paige is like wiping up crumbs of something or other. And so I asked like, Paige is filthy. Is it just her crumbs? Like, damn. I don't know if it's the whole, I mean, the whole table is gross with like crumpled up papers and napkins and all this. And well, yeah. what's worse? Paige is leading some kind of meeting and making huge crumbs in front of herself or meeting adjourned now Paige is cleaning up after her filthy like subordinates um, you just imagine the meeting where she's like Paige is eating her own like dry toasted piece of bread and just dripping crumbs everywhere or no then, one like, says em- anything emily being emily reaches over and just like just takes a bite out of it like mm-hmm. and then gives it back to Paige, and the rest of the teachers are like what the fuck is happening here um also tripped and spilled hot coffee all over your back this is a weird hazing ritual Mm-hmm. Your, your, your coworkers hate you. And further proof, <laughs> Senora Mott's finally... just like, "Oops, <laughs> didn't mean to do that, bitch." <laughs> didn't mean to do the hot coffee. Yeah. Um. So as Emily's like passing people, she's squeezing in. She's like, "Hey, Marie, sorry to miss that meeting. Hey, Sal, like, what the fuck?" And they're all just like, "We're professional teachers. We uh, went to school for four years, and then we spent time getting credentialed. And uh, you're like 22, and somehow you work here." Emily's just like. Yeah. What hair flip? <laughs> uh, yeah, so she comes up to Paige, sets her stuff down, and she's like, "Hey, so sorry, I'm late. What did I miss?" And Paige says, "Not much." And I You're really fired. wish she was dripping with more sarcasm at that. 
I think Paige is finally discovering how awkward it is uh, this job's going to be when she's Emily's boss and Emily's like the worst employee ever. Cover for me. Yeah. Which has already happened one time, which regardless of how justified it is that the whole Addison Derringer nightmare, Paige has had to cover one of her practices. Mm-hmm. First of probably many times, at least until the end of the next episode. <laughs> yeah, so Paige hands Emily a piece of paper and says, hand out. And Emily says, sure. And she's looking at whatever this piece of paper is. It doesn't matter. Uh, and Emily says, what are you doing for lunch? My treat. And Paige says, I can't. I'm having lunch with Hackett. And Emily's like, oh, everything okay? And Paige is like, yeah, you're fired. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's clear that there's something going to drop. And Emily can tell. And she says, I heard from the University of Iowa. They're offering me the assistant coaching position. And Emily says, I thought that they offered that to someone else. That's why you took the job here. And Paige says, I guess they changed their minds. So maybe reading between the lines here, is it possible that Paige has always had a line on this Iowa job? Yep. And she's just holding off to see uh, if she can make things happen with Emily here? Yeah. And now that it looks like it's not going that direction, she's she's piecing out. That's kind of how I read the situation. I just don't think Paige is in her right mind career rise whenever Emily is like in her, her sights. Well, I mean, it's like she basically says herself later in the episode, like, it feels too much like she, she gets back put back in her high school mindset when she's around and seeing Emily and Allie sharing secrets and all that, you know, it's like it just, everything reverts back to high school mode, which I, the, I can buy. Yeah. Yeah. And Paige, I'm sure she's like, you know, Emily, whenever you're around, I always go overboard. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Emily's like, wow, that's, you're going to take it. And, and Paige says, I'd be stupid not to right? Uh, and then Allie walks in and is like, good morning. And she says this to Emily and to Emily only. And Emily's like, hey, you're back. And she turned around, talked to Allie and behind her page just like rolls her eyes. She's annoyed. She's just like fucking typical. And she just pieces out and walks off like they're in the middle of conversation. And Emily's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Allie's here now. Yeah. And Allie says, yeah, I'm in between classes. Can we talk? And Emily's like, yeah, just give me a sec. And then she turns back and Paige is gone. And Emily kind of, I think, belatedly realizes how that all just played out to Paige. And Allie's trying not to look too satisfied. Yeah. But she definitely enjoyed that. Yeah. So I'm, sh- I'm just, meanwhile, in the hallway on the way to their classes, uh, Sal and Marie are just snickering. <laughs> snickering, but like, I, I feel like they're pissed. They're yeah, like, yeah. they're like, this is like something that like, that is some sort of like union busting thing to like avoid paying a real salary or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in Spencer's great room, Spencer comes walking in the house and she calls out, mom, did you get any mail? I'm expecting a, but she stops when she sees there's a suitcase by the stairs. How interesting because all the Hastings leave their suitcase by the stairs so that the rest of the family will know. That I mean, do they arrived. have like a, a butler off screen who's going to handle their luggage that they're constantly leaving around? Oh my God. I would love like season seven. We see the previously unheard of. Hastings Butler. Who I mean, they, they definitely have the like secrets. a cleaning lady, right? Sure. I'm, I'm sure, sure that like once or twice a week that like a, a cleaning lady showing up to, uh, you know, vacuum and whatnot. I, I don't see them doing that themselves. Just like a seven foot tall German woman, like previous sure. like Stasi employee. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she looks over the coffee table and there's a briefcase, Peter's, which has been left open. And Peter, what are you leaving your briefcase open for? This has yeah. to be intentional. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe he's doing it on purpose. 
So there's some files in there for Hastings and Reedman, partners in law. So essentially goes and checks out what's in there. Uh, right on the top of some files of those files is a business card for a private investigator named Maddie Harper. Uh, so she does some more digging. She finds Peter's passport. And like a smart girl, she flips through and discovers he's actually been back in the country for a while now. So in the other room, we hear Peter. Also, call out, Peter's birthday, May 22nd. Hmm. Happy birthday, Papa Hastings. Yeah, really. Um, from the other room, we hear Peter call out, Spencer. He comes in. He's happy to see her. She, meanwhile, has like shoved the passport into her pocket. It's put on her icy exterior. And he's like, hey. And so she's like, mom said you wouldn't be back until Thursday. He's like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I caught an earlier flight. Wish I could have been here sooner after everything you've been going through. But she's like, you mean getting shot or finding out that mom isn't my real mom? And he's think, just like. I think Peter can sense that uh, Spencer is in no mood for bullshit. <laughs> he's just like, all right, we're doing this right off the bat. Okay, here we go. Uh, he's like. She's your real mom, Spencer. She raised you. We both love you. And she's like, just stop. Stop, okay? You flew into Philly over a week ago, the same time that mom did. And she holds the pass. And he's like, well, fuck. I think so he's like, in, on the inside, he's beaming that his daughter is such a conniving snake. I mean, a true Hastings. Yeah, yeah. Um, she'll do great in the spinoff. And uh, she's like, there was no issue with your passport. There was no emergency business deal that you needed to attend to. So where were you? Where were you that was more important than being here with me? And he's like, I was looking for Mary. Beat. He's like, I wanted to be here, believe me. But after everything I put you and your mother through, I wouldn't let that woman do any more damage to this family. I know you're confused and you're hurt. I still can't explain what I did, but as big a mistake as it was, and Spencer, it was huge. I know that. I don't regret what happened because we ended up with you. You are our daughter. We love you so much. I've been practicing this opening statement <laughs> yeah. for weeks. Spencer has maintained an icy exterior through all this. She's not convinced. And she's like, Did you find Mary? And Peter says, no, not yet, but I'm working with an investigator and we will. And Spencer says, and then what? You got to chase her away so that I never get to see her again. That's the plan, isn't it? And Peter's like, no, I was thinking of a bullet and a shovel. <laughs> uh, so she heads out the door and Peter's like, Spencer. Uh, but no dice, she's gone. And he just sighs. Time to give Miles Corwin a call. Yeah. Well, like, what what is the scenario? Like, say he actually goes with the private investigator and they investigate and then she's just like, say they're on someone's lawn and investigator turns to Peter and she's like, okay, she's actually in there. And Peter whips out the wall and he's like, how much are you to kill her? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was so just thinking of a, a line from my favorite movie, The Zero Effect. Yeah. So for that much money, you got to kill her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, so, uh, did you happen to notice Peter Hastings showing up uh, tanned and, and in shape? I think he's been hitting the gym. He's, he's ready to go. That victory cruise did wonders for him. Yeah, yeah. It really changed his whole world. Yeah. Anyway, back to Emily and Allie. They're talking in Allie's classroom. And Allie says, I know this hasn't been easy on you, keeping this secret for me, but you won't have to do it for much longer. I've made an appointment to terminate the pregnancy. Finally. Uh, I, LOL, them not being able to say abortion, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like hasn't hasn't TV fought this fight already to be able to? Well, they have can have it say printed on it. a pamphlet later, but they can't say it. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick the the Hastings parents. Uh-huh. That's got to be a vibrant, passionate, violent sex life, right? I mean, they're still together through thick I'm, and thin. I imagine the foreplay involves just like throwing cutlery and silverware and plates at each other. Mm-hmm. Like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing. Like a Virgin like Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf kind of like four. See, I, I see a bit more of like uh like a house of cards 
Um, I can't think of those characters' names right now, but you know the main two: Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. Claire, their, their power couple. Frank. Yeah, Claire and Frank. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. hmm. Although, uh, granted, I've, never, I've only watched two seasons of that show, so maybe that doesn't apply anymore. Uh, you think? You think Peter's pushing reporters in front of uh, trains? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> you Did lost. Did you think I one. forgot about you? Uh, yeah, so uh, Emily, in response, Allison says, you sound certain. That's good. End of scene. Yeah. Nothing else happens. Allison does this. No. Allison's like, Archer manipulated me. Archer, he manipulated me into loving him and marrying him. And when he locked me up at Welby, he literally took away my ability to make decisions on anything. In this pregnancy, it feels like he's still in control. I want my life back, Em. Also, babies totally suck. And Emily's like, yeah, I feel you. You don't have to explain. And Seriously, Allie you says, don't. Ali says, I know. It's just the first time I've said this, said it all out loud. And Ali says, when's your appointment? And Ali says, I take the first pill at the clinic this weekend and the next one at home a few days later. Which I guess props to them for making this not sound like some sort of like violent procedure where like a vending machine claw like rips a fetus out of you or something. Like at least like they're that, being real about it. Yeah, like the shit you see like on the 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 signs. The billboards, that, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> protesters billboards, hold up. Yeah, protest signs. Yeah. Uh, and so Emily says, can I take you to the clinic? And Allie's like, yeah. And so they share a nice long hug. And then there's a knock on the door. Who could that be? Allison goes over and opens the door. And it's Detective Marco Fury. And Allie's like, Detective Fury. And Marco says, Miss Dillarentis, do you have a moment? And Allie's like, sure. And she kind of looks back at Emily. Emily doesn't seem to be getting the hint that like it's time to clear out. you know. So they all just kind of stand around awkwardly. Like they, they cut this scene. I wonder how long it took for... Emily, did like did, did she leave on her own, or was Marco like so? Uh, is it right if we talk alone, Miss Dillarentis? <laughs> like, how long does uh, uh, Emily just hang around here in the background? I don't know. Other than that, someone else is like, also, by the way, Detective Fury, you just reek of sex. And he's, he's like, like, high five. I know. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um. So meanwhile, Ezra and Ari are getting speaking of reeking of sex. Yeah, yeah they're getting some coffee at the brew. And Ezra says, he's, he's, mind you, he's, he's had a moment. Like now he gets to have his say. Um, he's, he's like, got his cappuccino now. Yeah. He's, she said that the treatment facility just felt like another form of captivity. So That's she fair. hailed a, a very expensive cab and drove back to the last place she called home. She's, she's been getting, in the jungle for five years. So she doesn't know about Uber. Also, I hope that cab ended up on Ezra's credit card. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Ari's like, your apartment, you know, meaning the home. Well, and she's, she's like, keeping her cards very close to her vest here. Like, yeah. there's something almost, like, prosecutorial about her vibe. Yeah, it's yeah. like she's emotionally detached herself from the situation enough to kind of analyze it as it's happening. Well, you know, also, they're writers. So when they manipulate each other, I would think that the words would be very important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would think you'd want to keep the prose, you know, guarded. Um so Ezra says the therapist had asked us not to tell Nicole about the engagement. All right, it's like, yeah, last night it didn't seem like Nicole knew that much. And Ezra's like, Doctor Rosen is just trying to help her adjust to all the changes in her life as gradually as possible. And Ari's like, but she knows now everything. And he's like, the wedding dress in the closet was a pretty big giveaway. I'd like to point out that's not exactly an answer, you weasel. No, so she. She raises her eyebrows, has this look on her face like, yeah, no shit. But also, like, maybe she wants to laugh at, like, how ludicrous this is, but considers it bad taste. It's kind of funny. Um, and he's like, but hey, look, we talked for a while. 
She says if she wants me to be happy, I am sorry. I've been such a crappy fiance and a man and a person. But I, I hope you realize that her being here, her being alive, it doesn't change a thing about how I feel about you. She'll be gone in a few hours. We can go back to being us again, I promise. First of all, the way he words that is so manipulative, though. Also, he he's scooted closer and taken her hand at this point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is directly like being like, it's a big deal that she's alive, so like you need to stop being upset with me or whatever. Um, or he's like, okay. And he's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And they kiss, and then she like generally seems relieved. So he has this line here. Uh, I hope you realize that with her being here, her being alive, it doesn't change a thing about the way I feel about you. Is that totally true? I don't know. Like the situation they're in right now is like unheard of and ludicrous. Mm-hmm. How the how the hell would you react to one supposedly dead fiance coming back into your life? I feel like he's underplaying the the real issue here i don't know he's just trying to appease her of course i'm sure but like i feel like he isn't being totally honest with aria or himself it's just like dead girls man they stay the same age i keep getting older yeah. aria should just be like why why not like what are you some heartless monster like this doesn't have any impact on you at well, all especially since he's just opened the door with the you know her being her her being alive her like conquering the mortal coil what i have you um, yeah, but Ezra being a heartless monster, that checks out. Mm. Uh, back to Allison's classroom. It's just her and Marco now. Emily's fine taking the hint and bounced. Um, Allison's like trying to wrap her head around all this new shit that's come to light. And she's like, a finger? Someone sent you a finger? Are you sure it's not a crazed Spoby fan? And he's like, Bad it's, Ar- <laughs> it's Archer Dunhills. Yes, the prints were a match. And she's like, do you have any idea who sent it or why? And he's like, it seemed like some sort of taunt or a game. She takes a step, he takes a step closer. She seemingly and seemingly takes a step back. He notices. Um, yeah, he, he he kind of eyes her as she steps away. He's he's in detective mode right now. I'm not sure if Allie is entirely aware of it. I think she kind of no. catches up. No. Because I mean, she, she starts to play it a little more cautiously towards the end of the scene. Yeah, she's processing several plots at once. So yeah. she's not necessarily aware of how she's coming off. But he's like, this morning our forensics team confirmed that the finger was detached from tissue that had been decomposing for some time. Possibly around the time that Archer Dunhill disappeared in the first place. We're now treating this case as a homicide. Austin's taking this all in. Well, this is like, where she's she's really trying not to look guilty here, but she's having a hard time making eye contact. Yeah. She's kind of like looking away. He's like, I know this is difficult, but I do hope that we can count on your help with this investigation. Anything that you can tell us about anyone that might have had a motive or a, held a grudge, it could help us out significantly. And she's like, he was a con artist who treated dozens of patients without any actual medical training. Yeah. I know a few people who might hold a grudge. And he's like, including you. And she's like, I'm not upset that he's gone. If that's what you're asking. He says, well, what about Mary Drake? And Allison's kind of surprised with this. And she's like, you think he might be involved? She might be involved? Marco says, she's gone into hiding. And after what you told us about her connection to Dunhill, she's a person of interest in this case. And Allison's like, guess you can't be too sure about anyone these days. And he's like, no, you can't. Mm. A little, bit of, makes some- little bit of a questioning tone in his voice there. Yeah, Allison makes some Hannah face. Um, I would have loved if Allie's she, like trying really hard not to react at all to this. I would have loved if she was just like, "No, you can't," and he's like, "No, you can't," and she's like, "No, you can't. you can't." Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. Does he suspect? Seems like he might a little. Yeah, 
Guy goes, guy goes missing and ends up dead. You're going to figure his wife is a top suspect, especially with all that motive. I feel like Marco Fury is going to have suddenly found himself in like a 1980s Michael Douglas plotline. <laughs> For now that he's like had sex with Spencer, he's starting to notice that things around her don't quite make sense. Spencer reaching under the uh, mattress for the ice pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the commercial, we're at Allison's at night. Hannah's like taking in the board game, freaking out while everyone sits in a cluster on one chair in the living room in the background. And she's like, this isn't happening. And Allison's like, yes, it is. No, 80 or uh, Hannah's like, no. Yeah, no, 80 doesn't get the poison Caleb, bankrupt Lucas's company, ruin my reputation and then expose us for a murder all in one go. No. So do do we think Lucas is actually bankrupt now or is Hannah just being dramatic? I think she's being dramatic because didn't he expressly let her know that he can absorb this loss and write it off? I don't know. Like, because this is like the last 10 episodes, like things are being said that apparently we're supposed to take at face value now. Like uh, the Noel Khan killing Sarah Harvey thing. Like I saw somebody like tweeted at Marlene about that. And she was like, like, yeah, go with that. Basically, like, you know, what what was what Jenna said was true. Um, un- unless there's like another shoe to drop there, we just kind of have to take that as a fact. So it's hard to know with some of these details that are getting spit out now is we're not getting like a flashback to show us. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of have to assume that they're telling the truth. I don't know. It's, it's a little weird when we don't get a flashback to, to show us this thing happening to just be like, like, is Lucas actually going bankrupt now? Is this like the, the whole like Noel Khan in a dream? you know, push that girl down the stairs thing or, or what? Well, also, I feel like in some regards, information will get a little more bonkers. If people theorize, take that as fact. I mean, like Tanner said, this should all be getting simpler, and I don't know that it will. So, you know, for all we know, no con twin brother killed Sarah Harvey's twin brother, twin sister, whatever. Um, it's late. Um, yeah, so- Spencer <laughs> says, Hannah, and Hannah's like, what? Where are the rules for the stupid game anyways? Every time we fail a turn, the cops get a piece of Archer. What's next? Is kneecaps or his earlobes? Arya's, yeah, bad finger. Arya says, or the video of you two digging up the grave. We already know that AD has that. And Emily says, this punishment for Charlotte. We didn't find her killer, and now AD's going to help the cops find us. And just then, a bell rings thrice on the game board. And they all walk over to the game. They're all concerned. We're getting, like, a lot of shots of... uh, the five liars like from a low angle like huddled around this board like i feel yeah. like the show's like really nailing a lot of those yeah um, they're all concerned especially we get a cut of aria looking extra concerned and then on the board all the buildings are lit up and all the liar game pieces are over at the start except for Alice, which has moved to mystery location mm-hmm. and ali says my turn mystery location great and then the phone at the center game has a little question mark on the screen. So Spencer taps it. A new screen appears. It says, solve the puzzle and get away with murder. Or murder is like dripping red with blood in the font. And Spencer says, solve the puzzle, get away with murder. And the screen does a little flip animation. Shows a new slide. says, or fail and go directly to jail. And then Ellie says, or fail and go directly to jail. And Hannah says, all right. So we continue playing the game or the cops find out what we did. Didn't we already know that? That line feels kind of lampshady. Yeah, like they had to put that line in to remind everyone what the the current situation is. I don't know; it's a little everyone, odd. Like it, Hannah, got it. Hannah Stakes. calls out, "Didn't we already know that?" You know. Yeah. Uh, and Arya says, "Yeah, but now it's a race. We have to solve this puzzle before the cops can solve Dunhill's murder." And Alice says, "Sorry, gun." 
I was like, it's funny because I think sometimes, yeah, it's like you need to remind your audience, but at the same time, it's like if you come up with a new reason why you can't go to the cops, it's like I'm sure someone's like, we have to have one of the characters say, well, as you know, usually mm-hmm. we can't go to the cops, so it's like we're aware. Please don't tweet at us. Yeah, yeah. So, How about uh, you just let the show happen, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Riley says, Fury already suspects that Archer has killed the night he disappeared. It's going to find out the truth. And Spencer says, no one can no one can screw up her turn. And then she like looks right at Hannah, just like throwing some shade her way. It's just not anymore. If the cops get one more clue about what we did, and Ari says, it's game over. And Allie has picked up the A-phone to examine it. And they're all just like looking around, more worried and stressed than ever. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to underneath Spencer's bed. We're kind of looking out from under her bed. We see Hannah's lying down, kind of grimacing as she's looking underneath the bed. There's like some slippers, a box, and uh, that uh, stainless steel watch of Marcos is under there. And Hannah says, ugh, ugh. All right, so when did you decide to start sleeping with a guy who can one day arrest us all? Nice. And then Spencer gets down. So she's like, I've got a type. Yeah, Spencer gets down on her stomach beside Hannah to help look. And she says, I didn't decide. I was upset about Toby and Yvonne, and Marco came over. He's nice. I mean, there was a little bit of planning, Spencer. Be real. You move that uh, whole game board out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And Hannah says, no, I have no issue with his personality, just his job. And Spencer says, yeah, well, so do I. And Hannah just rolls her eyes at this, and Spencer moves the slipper aside, and then she finds a watch, and she's like, got it. So she grabs a watch, and they stand up, and Hannah says, how is Toby? Have you talked to him? And Spencer's like, uh, no, too busy getting fucked. Uh, no, she says, uh, I left him a message, but he hasn't called me back. Is that the proper decorum, I guess? I don't know. Long, long time friend, ex-boyfriend's wife dies and you just like leave a voicemail. Uh, it's, it's exactly how I like it in this case. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't want Toby crying on her shoulder for like the next six episodes. Come on. Do you think Toby changed his voicemail greeting? <laughs> to what? This is Toblerone. I am in mourning. Please leave a message, <laughs> but I won't call you. Bye. And then it's like three minutes of him like sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, beep, kid's like, I forgot what I was going to say. I just listened to you cry for three minutes. Anyway. You want to hang, bud? Oh, man. See, I can't do any of the voices tonight. I'm bummed out. Uh, you just got to practice your, uh, your smelling cat voice. Um, so... Yeah, so Spencer goes and gets her purse, and she's like, hey, are you ready to go? I want to leave before my dad gets home. Hannah, like, sees the business card in the nightstand, picks it up, and she's like, private investigator, did Marco give you this? So she's like, uh, no, I swiped that from my dad's briefcase. And Hannah gives her, like, a what look. So she's like, he's looking for Mary. So Hannah says, does she have any leads? Spencer says, I don't know. Um, Hannah has this look on her face, like, I can work with this. And she's like, well, she's like slapping the card against her palm, like a plan is forming in her brain. Yeah, yeah. We, we should find out. So she's like, no, we shouldn't. Hannah's like, Spencer, Mary was in the blind school and you got shot. She could have seen the second shooter and maybe she saw AD and that's why she ran away. So she's like, or she ran away because she once told, she once, because once Wait. she told me that she was my birth mother, she realized it was a colossal mistake and then she never wanted to see me again. Also, okay. why why don't the cops want to arrest her as an accomplished accomplice to uh, Archer Dunhill? I don't know. Like, did Allie just not want to press charges or something? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, especially it's it's a little like the, here's the suspicious thing is they know that she's involved the Archer Dunhill thing. The cops do, 
She's also the person that Allison was like released into the custody of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little strange. Um, fucking, fucking Rosewood, man. Yeah. So Hannah's like, no, Spencer, that's crazy. So just like, well, crazy runs in my family. And Hannah has like the slightest of smirks. Mm-hmm. Spencer says, look, I want to find her. Believe me, I do. I just, I have so many questions. I wouldn't even know where to start. What do you Hannah really says, want to ask her, Spencer? I mean, let's be real. Hey, mom, why are you so crazy? Um, I feel like the first question would be, Pastor Ted, seriously? Yeah. Uh, Hannah's like, how about, why'd you run away? And Spencer's like, yeah. Um, so Hannah turns, she dials the number on the card, it rings, and someone answers. So we hear Hannah say to the phone, hi, Miss Harper, I'm calling from Mr. Hazen's office. Spencer says nothing because the con is on. You know, you'd really think that Peter Hastings, in all of his dealings, would warn any like clients or inspectors or you know coworkers like, should any woman, young woman, ever call pretending to work with me? Mm-hmm. Just stonewall at all costs. Don't tell them anything. Because well, I, I know my daughters. Yeah. Also, doctors. Doctors. Yeah. Should any young woman pretend to be my wife call to like refill their pills? Let's have a complicated series of code words that we use. Yeah, they need a password. <laughs> uh, I would love to have passwords with Peter Hastings. That'd be so it's much like, fun. Hi, this is Peter Hastings' assistant. Um, Thunder? <laughs> Flash? Uh, okay, there we go. It's uh, I'm supposed to say purple thunderstruck? <laughs> the weasel was loose? What, what's happening here? Why am I saying these things to you? Yeah, so over at Ezra's place, Arya lets herself in, and there's Ezra. He's carefully picking up some scattered pages of his manuscript from the floor. The the password would be gold falafel. (laughs) As through ice. That's Ezra's password. That's his safe word. Yeah, gold falafel. (laughs) Gold falafel. (laughs) Uh, So Ezra's picking up these scattered pages from the floor, and Arya's like, whoa, what happened? And Ezra's like, um, Nicole found the book? It's just LOL. Oh, my God. Like, why could we have not seen that scene? Like, I guess maybe uh, the, the actress wasn't available or something. But, like, can you, I, I need a scene of her, like, reading the book and then throwing it in Ezra. That'd be amazing. I just I just want, like, the flurry of pages just all uh-huh. around them. All right, says. Ooh, and- ooh, you could do this whole artistic thing where the pages are just, like, flinging around in the air. And it's, like, between them, like, we see his eyes. We see her eyes. They seem to meet. And then we realize that Nicole is just, like, need him in the groin. <laughs> mm, workshop that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Arya says, and she threw it at you? And Ezra says, no, at her parents when they came to take her back. Uh, and- the second time that a girl who was the subject of one of his true crime novels fucked with the pages of his beautiful story. I know. Aria comes over and she kneels down and picks up a particular page and we see there's a handwritten note in the margin. Uh, it says, this memory of us kept me alive. I can't tell you how many nights I thought of you. And Aria says, did Nicole write this? And he doesn't say anything. She turns away to read it and he kind of stands and walks over like he wants to stop her, but he's resisting. And Aria's reading loud. She says, this memory of us kept me alive. I can't tell you how many nights I thought about you and our love. And I knew that I had to be strong. I And then Ezra finally kind of like, reaches over and puts a hand on her shoulder to stop her and he takes the page away from her without a word and just goes back to picking up the other pages on the floor and all just kind of nods to herself feeling shitty uh her supposed fiance is just back arranging pages on the floor she's being remarkably calm with Ezra about all this yeah well 
Ezra being the shifty, shitty, manipulative guy that he is, like she's floating in space and he's like, you know, rearranging the narrative there. Um, I wonder if uh, there are other notes that got left on this. Like, did she just go through the whole thing and be like, these are my notes? Ooh. Ooh. Like, can you imagine being Nicole in this situation? Well, first of all, as it's been like a couple weeks, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Ezra has yet to mention that he is engaged to somebody else. He just found that out. He found out yeah. they're they're just about to get married. And then you find out they wrote a whole book about you that's about to be published. Yeah. And and the new fiance has been writing like half the book in your perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just weird and creepy. Like there's just no way that'd be cool. How do they publish this now? It's <laughs> the PR. Mm-hmm. For this is gonna be fucking amazing. I mean, on, um, on the one hand, it's uh, gonna be more popular than ever because it's like this amazing story that she returned from the dead. On the other hand, like Arya just looks fucking horrible in this situation. I mean, Ezra looks bad too, but uh, just publicly, Arya having like being like, "Oh, I'm his new girlfriend slash fiance who like wrote all the all of her parts in the book." That's just creepy. Yeah, I, I can't wait to Ezra's getting uh, uh, calls and PR advice from James Frey. Um, like, is as is part of Ezra thinking like, "Fuck, this is what I should have done." You know, back when Arya was in high school, I should have been like Arya. What if we write this book about Allison together, and you get to be Allison? Mm-hmm. And Arya's like, hmm. and Pictunia's like, "No, not a good idea. Kill him instead. Put your name on the book." Um, yeah, it's it's super fucked up. I would love to think that Nicole's written other notes. Also, you know, after trauma like Nicole's been through, how she acts, that's who can say? Like who can say how that affects how how you'll be from one moment to the next. All the times that we've seen her on the TV, she seemed to have it fairly well together. But then Ezra's like, Nicole's super fragile. Like she's just a delicate piece of china. There is a, a little bit of a disconnect. I mean, she did look pretty shaken when Arya ran into her. Uh, well in the dark there. It's the middle of the night and Arya's got a knife. Mm-hmm. Not everyone would be as excited as you and she I. She probably thought I, I escaped the jungle, only to be be killed by the queen of the jungle. Every night in the jungle, the same demon came to me—the demon of your face, Arya. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, meanwhile, at uh, and Arya's like, shadows belong to me. <laughs> I can't do the Bane voice right now. <laughs> oh, you think darkness is your ally? Uh, meanwhile, at the high school, the swim team kids are all like filing down the hallway into practice emily is like letting them all walk past like giving them pep talks and she says great job today guys get some rest okay see you tomorrow and they've all walked off there's just like one girl who like gives emily like the weirdest smile as she goes by it's pretty funny she must be a fan of shane mitchell's um (laughs) after they're gone we see Paige come out of classroom behind emily Paige like immediately just turns and walks the other way i feel like she had to know emily was there yeah and so Emily goes after. <laughs> oh shit! Her. Can I just get out of this hallway without having a confrontation? No, fuck. Yeah, Emily goes after her anyway, even though it seemed like Paige was trying to avoid her. And Emily's like, "Hey," Paige is like, "Hey," and Emily's like, "You're here late." And she kind of saunters over to Paige, and Paige says, "I had to call. I had a call with the head coach of Iowa. I thought I'd use my office, which like what the locker room." <laughs> and Emily's like, "Oh, really leaving?" And Paige says, "They want a decision by tomorrow." And Emily nods, kind of regretful, and she says, when you showed up in, here in Rosewood, I really thought we'd get another chance at this, at us. And Paige says, so did I. 
but coming back here is a mistake. Emily's like, it doesn't have to be. Paige moves closer to Emily and she says, I thought I was over high school, but it's really hard to be over a place when you're smack dab in it. And it feels like so much hasn't changed. And Emily looks away. She can't really dispute that. And Paige says, you and Allie are still keeping secrets. And Emily says, I told you, it's not like what she, it's not what you think it is. What does Paige think it is? I guess just romance is what she's saying. I don't know, but just general, it, it belies like a closeness and a control, you know, that just going to remind Paige of like the bullying and the outsider. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Paige says, maybe not. But when I see you two whispering in the hallway, it takes me right back to high school too, to feeling small and insecure and paranoid. And I don't want to feel those things anymore. And he says, you don't have to. And Paige says, I know I don't. I could just go somewhere else. <laughs> that definitely was not the answer Emily was looking for. And Paige's yep. like, good night. So she leaves and Emily's distressed because uh, she's her losing girlfriend's like crazy right now, man. Yeah. One of them yeah. moved to Atlanta. Paige's moving to fucking Iowa. It's it an assistant true. swimming coach job in Iowa. Pay more than an athletic supervisor at a high school. That's what is I'm it a, Is it assistant swimming coach? I thought it was head coach in Iowa. No, it was assistant coach. Really? I don't think you could pay me to move to Iowa, period. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was assistant. Uh, anyway, after commercial, the A-phone beeps and it displays some GPS coordinates, which I haven't looked up. I assume we're in Philly. Uh, and we see we're at Allie's right now. Or I'm sorry, we're in the teacher's lounge. Allie's looking at her phone and she says it's latitude and longitude. It must lead to the mystery location. She's in the teacher's lounge. She's video chatting on her laptop. The phone beeps again, so she shuts it off. And then we see she's chatting with Aria. Aria's on screen on the other end. She's sitting like too close to her webcam or something. Like a really, it's like a funny shot. I don't know. It's like Aria's like holding the iPad like an inch from her face or something. Again, Aria put technology in her hands and she's just Mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. And Aria says, when are you going? I'll come with you. And Allie says, after school. And then we see over at Allie's house, Aria's sitting on the couch. She sighs. She's holding the tablet and she kind of frowns and looks closer. And she says, are you okay? You look a little. And Allie just shakes her head, kind of like brushing it off. And she's like, yeah, my stomach's just been kind of weird lately. So where's Ezra now? Aria sighs and she says, he's at home. He's talking to Nicole's therapist. Apparently she had a setback because of the book. I just had to get out of there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is it appropriate for Ezra to have this much contact with her therapist? No. It kind of it reminds me a little like Mad Men. Don Draper with, in like, the first Don season. Don Draper in the yep, first season, yep. yeah. Yeah, I was totally thinking that. I feel like there's that. There's also the the opportunity for Ezra, Ezra being Ezra, just to be like, all right, I'm trying, I'm gonna do this and try it in your honor. I hope I don't let you down. All right, I'm gonna call Nicole's therapist now. You know, and Ari's like, oh, okay. And he rings and he's watching her and he's like, hi, it's Ezra. So Nicole, she's really fragile. She's gonna break. It seems like and he so can she's... barely get any words out in the Ezra voice. <laughs> He's also he's also been running. He's out of breath. He's winded. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go while you do that. And he's like, OK, and Nicole. And you know, as Arya's gone, he's like, sorry about that, Hardy. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Arya's like, man, I told you not to call me. My wife, my wife does not like you, man. Also, these calls are getting weirder. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, he's talking to Nicole's there, but she didn't set back. I said, get out of there. Nelson's he just said, like, what? Apparently, Sorry. she had a setback. Yeah, huh? <laughs> he, he talks so fast sometimes, I can't tell what you're saying. <sighs> story of my life. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I said she had to get out of there. And Allison's like, well, first of all, 
Nicole isn't having a setback because of the book. She's having a setback because she was held captive in the jungle for two years. And Ari's like, yeah, well, the book didn't help. And I'm the idiot who convinced him to write it. Um, and then Allison gets so sick of the Ezra storyline that she has to run off to vomit. And I think the, like, the blame shifting by Arya there is like makes Ali want to hurl. Yeah. Well, it's it's also it's it's almost Spencerific in how much she could put the burden on herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but Allison's like, I I gotta run, and she like slams her laptop shut and runs off. And Arya's like, Ali, hello. Um, so then you know, the calls ended, but she gets an incoming video chat request with no caller ID. And she's just like, yeah, sure, I'll accept this like a psycho. Well, probably thinking uh, it's Allie, I assume. Yeah, yeah, presumably. It's not uh, Allie. No. So we get footage uh, on the other end of this call of someone holding a file that has that ARIA tab on it, the missing ARIA file. From Jessica um, De Laurentiis's, uh own lair, yeah. And then we, we, we hear this heavily altered like you know computer voice like, Jessica De Laurentiis kept excellent records. And full-on footage of someone in a black hoodie addressing the camera with their altered computer voice. You know, where the face should be, there's just darkness. And it's black hoodie AD, presumably. It's just like, if Ezra knew what was in your file, he would definitely choose Nicole. And she would be visiting him in jail. <laughs> and Arya freaks out and throws down the tablet on the couch. And then AD is just, AD is just like, I can still see you from this angle. <laughs> also, do you really want to stand above this thing while wearing a skirt? I'm just saying. Right, Think about the logistics. Yeah. But like... That line is so killer. Like, if you're AD, you just got to pat yourself on the back after this. Uh, and then we get uh, just a great little sequence of shots here. Arya's, like, in full freakout mode. She turns back around and marches over to the game board. She picks up her game piece, and she hurls it at some wine glasses that are in the foreground. It's, like, four wine glasses in a row. And it breaks through and smashes the one that she was, like, kind of behind in the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to see it. There's a whole lot of kind of like background foreground, like rack focus shots in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like a specialty of Roger Cumbles here because, yeah, we get a bunch of that. And just that shot of the wine glass breaking with her kind of, you know, we we rack focus back to her in the background. She's panting. She's breathing hard. She's full of like panic and hatred, just exulting in her own destruction right now. Oh, it's perfect. It's this scene is great. Um, it's like visually you know, what's on the page, the performances. It's just amazing. Um, again, I just love that AD gets to say it. first Ezra would choose Nicole and then he would be, you would be, she would be visiting him in jail. Well, so what on. does that mean? What, um, what could Jessica D possibly have in Arya's file that would make Ezra A, go to jail and B, choose Nicole over her? Now, obviously the go to jail thing could just be statutory stuff. Although yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know what the like, I don't know, well, statute probably, limitations on that is, but. Really shouldn't be one, but uh, um, probably a lot of the uh, surveillance, like spying on teenage girls and things, that might be something in there about that. Maybe, yeah, she might have some of that. Um, plus, I'm sure as this would be buddies, this would have been everything up to like the end of season four, I guess would have been. In I'm the sure theater. there was like a bachelor party that Ezra and his buddies went to, and somebody got killed, and they had like dispose of a body. You know, typical. Yeah. Did you see uh, that's what like a ScarJo movie they're making now? Oh, with uh, that same premise. Yeah, which is weird because they're. Is that what what happens? They have to like they kill somebody. Yeah, they like they like kill the stripper. Yeah, it's like a reverse very bad things or stag, which is weird because in both those movies it's played as like villainous. I wonder how they're gonna do that in this movie, but yeah. Oh, cool. 
Way to go, Scarlett. Anyway, Very Bad um, Things is a terrible movie. Peter Berg is, is just an awful hack. Um, I don't think any of those movies with that plot are particularly good. Not really, no. I, I always assume that every other episode of Entourage was like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this 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 scene is fantastic. And, and, you know, again, we didn't really mention it. It's obvious. Like, this is Elijah Baraz and uh, Roger Crumble's last episode of the show. So what what would make Nicole choose Ezra over Arya, even though Ezra's going to jail, apparently? Well, I mean, Ezra, or, I'm choose- sorry, Ezra choose Nicole. Yeah, I would think Nicole would choose Arya over Ezra. Personally, yeah, really? But <laughs> um, yeah, good question. I don't know. I'm going to have to ponder and do some theorizing on, on what dirt. Seemingly, this is something that we're not aware of, I guess. We're, we're supposed to assume that Arya has something that she's done in her past that we don't know about. Um, that would make Ezra like not want her. Yeah. Honestly, it could it could be nothing. It could just be. Fun. What if it was just about her like in her one night stand with Pew Sash? Ezra's just like that fucking guy. So. So let's say these were real people and you had to spend an afternoon with one of them. Uh, Nate St. Germain, uh-huh. Pube Stash, uh-huh. or Pastor Ted. Uh, well, Nate St. Germain is a killer, so that's going to be a no. Um, Pube Stash and Pastor Ted. God, they're both so insufferable in their own way. Mm-hmm. The lady or the tiger. Yeah. Um, I, I, if- I, I might be, say Pastor Ted. I don't know. Pube Stash, like if he had his guitar there. That's just like a no. I feel like so you make that decision. The other two depart and like the Twilight Zone ending is like, well, since it's just the two of us and then Ted pulls his guitar from behind the couch, he's like, let me introduce you to Antonio. Ted would just start playing like some Peter, Paul and Mary or something. I feel like I could handle no, that. No, he, he I bet you he blasts straight into Puff the Magic Dragon. All right. I, I feel <laughs> like I could still handle that more than pretentious douchebag Riley pube sash there like that like guy just seems insufferable to me he's like wannabe Jeff Buckley mm-hmm. <sighs> that's truly a hellscape um yeah so just this shot of Arya like the third wine glass there uh catching her breath come down from all this anger it's delicious um so then we get uh, an establishing shot of a fairly nice suburban neighborhood somewhere in Pennsylvania we see but you then cut to someplace completely else uh, where Spencer and Hannah are walking across the yard to a house. I think it's probably the, the backyard. To it the back seems floor. like it's a backyard. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and Hannah's like, come on. This is the last house in the street. And Spencer says, I know my dad's tech that thinks that Mary's hiding out somewhere in this neighborhood, but that doesn't mean you get to terrorize the residents. You made that old man cry. Awesome. Hannah's up on the well, porch. She's how exactly like, did the PI get that? Like just this neighborhood? Like, what, has she been spotted around or something? I think people would recognize her. But, like, I'm only, I can almost assume it's, like, probably something to do with, like, triangulating a cell phone. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the PIs going around with a picture of Mary Drake. Just, Have you seen this witch? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, God. And they point to that house and run mm-hmm. away. Um, and Hannah's like, hey, well, that old man could have been harboring a dangerous criminal. Which is like, or an innocent woman who just got mixed up in something. Spencer, Spencer, Mary. No, Spencer's caught a little bit of the Allison disease here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spencer's like, Hannah says, Spencer, Mary knows something. That's why she disappeared. Hannah's made her point, so she bangs on the door frame of this house. And Spencer's like, Okay, I just need to remind you that I'm looking for my birth mother. Please, I want to go on a witch hunt, 
I would have gone on the trip with my dad, which would have been awesome. Um, Hannah's like, you're, you're right. No more pitchforks, I promise. And then the door opens, and we get that gif from the office when Toby comes back to work, and Michael Scott's just like, no! God, no! <laughs> no, no, no. It's fucking Pastor Ted. He's surprised to see Hannah darkening his doorstep, and he's like, Hannah? And Hannah's just like, Ted? And he's like, what are you doing here? And we're just getting Hannah faced to the nth degree. Fucking Pastor Ted. Oh, Ted, I hate so much of the ways you choose to be. Um, Ted, of course, he's still wearing like another like button up, like plaid shirt. It's like the same stuff he always wears. Yeah, hasn't changed a bit. I what? Of course, it fills me with questions like, how far are we from Rosewood? Is this in Rosewood? I assume it's still the pastor in the Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia area or something. Yeah. I mean, like, did he leave town after he finished I don't think his we've coffee? seen anything with him at the church since okay. the flash forward, yeah. Like, finally, the uh, he couldn't show his face to, like, the little old ladies at the uh, the church anymore. Well, uh, he, was, he was cocked by Jason De Laurentiis. He had to get out of there, right? Yeah. This fucking town. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, he just sits in his house and reads Breitbart and just... Just gets real angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rosewood High Teachers Lounge. Allison's still gone. Her shit's still over the table there. So Paige is getting herself some coffee. A- comes- Allie's off uh, wiping her mouth right now, I assume. <laughs> After throwing up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Paige comes over to sit. She kind of moves Allison's purse out of the way because it's all over the middle of the table. Just enough so that brochure hanging out of, out of the purse for Paige to make out says, medical abortion. So Paige glances around, decides that this juicy nugget falling into her lap is clearly a gift from the gods. So she kind of just pulls the pamphlet out and reads it. It says, Making Your Choice, A Woman's Guide to a Medical Abortion. And inside is an As appointment card. As opposed to a man's guide? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I say yeah? I, just, I don't know. The wording is strange. Yeah. Like, anyway. anyway. <laughs> inside is an appointment card for Alice. What if, it's just like the man's guy is just like, not your fucking business. Not your choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> a, a laugh that made you laugh so hard you almost coughed your brains out. Um, would you prefer that it was just like a picture of like Mike Pence? <laughs> on the, uh, the man's guide? <laughs> just him yeah. scowling. Um, so, of course, then out of nowhere, Allison shows up snatching this thing out of Paige's hand of fury and rancor. And she's just like, what are you doing? Paige is like, I'm sorry, I, I just... And Allison's like, you just what? Like, Paige, like, Paige stumbles on, like, the loss of words. So Allison, like, gathers all her shit up, which takes 25 minutes because she has fucking everything she owns on the I, table. I love that Heather Hogan pointed that out in a recap. It's like, yeah. Allie's, like, a, wants to storm off, but, like, she has to gather all of her shit. And just, like, picking this up, picking this up, picking this up, glaring at you some more, picking this up. <laughs> it's, like, it's almost, like... A real comedian or somebody from like like the airplane movies would like yeah. make this a twenty minute thing. Here's my fucking piano. Here's the kitchen sink. Here's like Archer's dead body. Here's another part of him. You know, yeah. Um, but Paige's she's like, that was actually my phone. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Just take it. I'll get. I got a whole other carrier and a phone and a new name. Um, but yeah, she's hurt. She's embarrassed. She's disgusted. She's angry. She storms out of there. She casts one last mean, upset glance back at Paige as she does. I'm surprised she didn't spit in her face. Yeah, Paige and- just kind of. Stands there not sure knowing how the hell to act. 
I think, you know, the bell rings and Paige is kind of calculating, how does this change the the stakes of the Paige, Emily, Allison, Low Triangle here? Uh, so anyway, we're going to cut back to Pastor Ted's porch. Anna's holding up a photo of Mary Drake on her phone to the pastor. Spencer's kind of waiting behind her. And Pastor Ted's like, you're right. She looks just like Allison's mom. But no, I, I haven't seen her. And when he says this, it is like 100% obvious that this dude is lying. <sighs> he has like the guiltiest look on his face possible. Yeah. And uh, so Hannah pulls back the phone and she's kind of frowning. And Spencer's like, you sure? Maybe in a neighbor's house or and he just makes more guilty faces. He's like, no, sorry. And Hannah says, guess we wrote down the wrong address. And she gives him a polite smile. But Spencer's not very pleased. And he's like, glad you did. I can't tell you how great it is to see you. Tell me what you've been up to. I heard you were in New York working for some big time designer and you got engaged. And Hannah's like, well, that didn't really work out. Both the engagement and the New York thing. Uh, now it's a little bit awkward. And so he's like, uh, you'll figure it out. You're resilient beyond measure, both of you. And they just Remember that st- time I watched a whole flash drive of videos of you changing clothes? Yeah, he remembers. Uh, so they both kind of smile at his empty platitudes. And he says, we can sit down a minute and I could bring out some tea. And Spencer says, uh, we really can't stay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And Hannah says, um, do you still have that same email? And he's like, still hotmail. Don't judge. I'm old. <laughs> oh, we will judge you, Pastor Ted. And Hannah says, well, I'll send you my contact. Maybe we should get coffee at the Radley. I can bring my mom. And he's like, that'd be wonderful. And it's like, w- would that be wonderful for Ashley, though? Like, yeah. run that by her first, Hannah. Yeah. Like, this isn't the parent trap. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Ashley Marin may not be into that. I would honestly rather see uh, Tom and Ashley get back together. Than Ted and Ashley. I know. I know. It's. I have nothing good to say about Tom and Ted apparently did post a hundred or a million dollar bail for Ashley. And still amazingly, I still hate him more. I saw a lot of people online, like thought this was Tom just cause they can't tell the two dudes apart. Apparently they have old um, white guy face blindness. I guess. Although I, I don't know. As a PL fan, I feel like you should be able to recognize it too. Tom always wears suits and this dude's always wearing like these like plaid button ups. And just, just fucking look at this guy. <laughs> Tom also doesn't have like the gray hair. I don't think. Memory serves. I don't know what that is. Like yeah. uh, an aging auburn, goldish copper. I don't know. Whatever. Sure. Um. So yeah, she she hugs his lying liar, and he's like, "Great to see you, Hannah." Bye, Spencer. And Spencer's like, "Bye, bitch." Um. He waves to her. They turn to go. Hannah stops at the step of the porch, looks back, and Hannah's like, "And." Let me know if you see Mary, okay? He gives her like, this guilty face. Um, like he can actually see him locking his lips up so he won't say anything else. Like you can see him like just like shutting his mouth so he won't say anything. Yeah, I feel like Hannah just as like a, a true detective here should have just left her card, you know, the way cops do. Like, oh, if you, if you hear anything, give me a call. <laughs> Which like it would have like something like written on the back just like I know she's in there. You know, we, we can protect you. Anyway, yeah. um, so she's like, the cops are looking for her and she can be dangerous. So, you know, Hannah follows Spencer across the yard and immediately after they're gone, he's still making his guilty face. The door behind him creaks open and Mary glides out, her feet never touching the ground. because She's an evil witch. And she's like, what did you tell them? And he's like, nothing. Just like you asked. So she seems it's to just LOL at the like maximum amount of grit that Pastor Ted puts into that line. He's like, nothing. Just like you asked. 
Yeah. And yeah, Mary seems to relax a little early. Like she closes her eyes for a beat. Like she's like, like, uh, like disenchanting a spell she's about to cast or something, you know? And then he, he turns back to face her and he says, I need to know why you're really here, Mary. And she doesn't say anything. Just like her shifty eyes are moving back and forth between him and the yard beyond. And you've got like a tension cord blaring on the soundtrack to let us know that like, this is some dangerous shit here. <laughs> like she just, what she like walk into his kitchen two days ago, grab a bag of salt, pour a pentagram circle out on the living room floor and just mm-hmm. sit in it, meditate for two days. Um, I, so, so Mary's been lying low here for a couple of days. Do you think they banged? I feel like it's a little bit of an amazing Amy at Neil Patrick Harris's house like situation. Mm. I think she's there's definitely been like titillation and like the the maybe this is on the table as far as Ted's concerned and he's got to do his all like oh my god this beautiful exotic woman is here to seduce a little old me who you know voted votes GOP straight down the line or whatever. So you think she's gonna like slam a shame pot pain bottle? up herself and then like uh, slit his throat mid orgasm. Is that what you're saying? I think she might still use the champagne bottle on him. I don't know. I feel like Ted's probably into something weird too. Oh, I mean, like, like secretly, secretly, like, like he never would dare to like utter it to Ashley Marin, but like, well, maybe that's something like, weird is just Mary Drake. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, uh, this is a weird question. Would you put on this black <laughs> Elvira wig? Yeah. Anyway, so after commercial, I mean, I, we, we could go on and it could get lurid. Uh huh. Um, oh, we still got plenty of episode to go. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after commercial, Allie's uh, shutting the door to her car on a city street in Rosewood, and we hear another door shut as Arya comes around the side to join her. And Allie says, six locations and counting. We could be at this all night." Which, what are they doing? I guess they just keep getting new locations to drive to or something. Um, like it, it shouldn't take you six stops to find a GPS coordinates. Yeah, I wonder if it's like once you're at you know stop A, I will then direct you to stop B, just suppose, to get you to where yeah. I or I ultimately want you to be, which is here. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of a dick move, AD. Uh, so Allie's glancing at her phone, which I, I guess that means she's like looking at coordinates there. And Ari says, "I wouldn't pe- put it past AD." And then the A phone starts making like these duck quacking noises. And Allie's like, "Look." And Ari says, are there coordinates? And Allie says, no, just duck sounds, which are also known as quacks. Uh, and Allie stops and she looks up from the phone. Hey, she was on the run for two years. She yeah. doesn't have a basic high school education. Mm-hmm. So we pan around uh, behind Allie and Allie says, are we supposed to find a pond or something? And of course, right behind Allie on the street is a store called the Darling Duck. And Ari is like, the Darling Duck, that's got to be it. And Allie turns and looks and sees, oh, it's a it's a store for baby clothing and accessories. And Ari says, wonder why AD wants you to go in a baby clothes store. And there's something about her lining here that makes me think Arya knows and is rubbing it in. She's <laughs> like, that's clothes. weird. Yeah. <laughs> and she's eyeing Allie, but Allie doesn't say anything. And Allie's like, come on, we need to find that puzzle piece. So she walks to the store. Oh, and, Ted, by the way, Ted is totally probably into like a weird baby fetish. Like he dresses up like a baby. Oh, yeah. With I, a diaper I, and the I could totally pacifier. see it. Like, he's just like, you know, like powder my bum. Yeah, I could totally see that. All right. Yeah. Right and then Mary just gets the, the writing crap and crop and just beats the shit out of me. Um, yeah. Sorry. Well, now I have that mental image in my mind. And you're welcome. 
I've been a bad baby. She's like, I'm going to show you why they took my babies away from me. I'm going to do to you what I did to the other Teddy. Oh, shit. That's horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Allie is walking inside, but then Arya's phone starts ringing. And uh, Allie sees that she's not being followed anymore. And she looks back at Arya annoyed. And Arya checks the collar. And it's from Blocked. It's requesting a video chat. And Arya's like, uh, it's, it's Ezra. I'll be right there. And so she throws some shady looks Allie's way. But Allie's like, whatever, and heads inside. And then Arya answers the call. It's AD again in the black hoodie with the kind of black void where the face should be. And AD says, someone moved, you, your, someone moved your piece off the game board. Do you want to lose? Or he's like, I don't want to lose. I want out. And she makes like hilarious, angry faces at the phone. Like imagine just being a passerby. <laughs> that's that's going to be one of my favorite new screen caps, I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that one's got a lot of use ahead of it. Uh, AD seems to consider all this for a beat. And then the call just ends. Uh, then very quickly, her phone chimes with a new text from Block that says, meet me now. And then a second message, which is just like a map pin location. And Arya looks up at the store she was supposed to follow Allie into, and you can see she's feeling guilty, hesitates for a bit, but then she turns and walks the other way down the street. Sorry, Allie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's time for Arya to go her own dark way. Embrace your true nature, Arya. The beginning of potentially the Dark Arya saga. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. So then we go inside the Darling Duck. There's a bunch of like baby crap all strung about on shells and whatnot. We pan over as Allie walks in. She's looking at the baby clothes and toys, and there's like a bunch of other new moms like milling about in here. Allie's looking conflicted and almost like annoyed that she's conflicted. Like I, I think she knows what AD is doing here, um, and she hates that it's working on her. Is kind of the way I read this. Yeah. Like she, she gets the the joke of all this because of her impending abortion, and uh, AD's just sticking it to her. Yeah. yeah, and then the clerk says, "Allison." And she turns to see a store clerk calling to her. And the clerk says, hi, it's Julie. We spoke on the phone. Uh, clearly, they did not. But Allie's going to play along. And Allie's like, right, hi. And Julie says, I was worried you wouldn't make it before closing. Okay, so here's your scanner. And she hands Allie a barcode scanner gun. And Allie kind of cautiously takes it. And Julie says, just point, point out the barcode of any item that you want. And voila, it goes on your registry. And she's like rubbing her palms together. Like this is the most exciting fucking thing in the world. Allie's a little bit less enthused. And Julie says, let me know if you have any questions. And Allie's like, bye. And so Julie walks off and Allie's a phone beeps. And she's got a new message from AD. It says, I hear congrats are in order. Pick 10 items for your little one. Happy shopping. <laughs> Allie makes some more pouty faces. And she just sets about scanning any merchandise that's near her. I like that she's not taking a ton of time on this. Like, it's, it's not like she's considering each one. She's just like, anything I can scan that's near me. Yeah, she scans like three of the same shirt. Yeah, uh, she's just like whatever. Yeah, well, because she's in like a like a pregnancy horror movie here. So mm -hmm. good for her. I'd get the fuck out of there. I mean that uh, when this episode, like when as soon as she announced her like impending abortion, like you one hundred percent know it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they didn't do the thing where it's like she goes to the abortion center and it's like scary there. So she leaves or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's clear that AD is messing with her. She knows AD is like rubbing in about this. Like they, they're playing it with like an awareness of the trope, I guess. Yeah. Uh, nearby. She hears some expectant moms kind of momming it up in the background. 
Mom number one says, is this your first? And number two says, it is. I'm so excited. Number one says, boy or girl? And number two says, I want to be surprised. You know, what about you? And number one's like, a girl. And number two's like, oh. And then they like both squeal in excitement. Allie's listening to all this and just feeling worse about herself as she scans. It's nicely cruel they here. I mean, this is this is classic A stuff right here. This is this is like next level, you know, uh, dare I say, of age, making Allison, you know, like eat the the Hannah cupcakes or whatever. Um, but I feel like it's it's more about punishing Allie for her decision to get an abortion rather than like A is trying to make her keep the baby. I guess is the way I read it. Like it's just it's just cruel, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I was never thrilled with this plotline, as as we all know. But so far, it's like they're treating it as like a a monstrous thing for A to do, and not just like something to be happy about. This part, these these classic A shenanigans are not the part that I hate the most. Mm-hmm. It's you know the stuff at the end. Um, so meanwhile, in another part of Main Street Rosewood, it's dark now. Emily and Page are sharing a takeout pizza on a bench next to their bikes, and Emily's like. Rosewood isn't all that bad. Isn't all all that bad, you know. You're gonna miss the pizza. Yeah, that, really, Emily. That legendary is, Philly pizza. Yeah. Is is Rosewood known for the pizza? Um, Paige is like, I might, and she kind of. I, I, I was assuming that Rosewood was known for sausage heaven. <laughs> anyway, Paige says, I might, and she kind of uh, eye fucks Emily a little bit, and Emily wipes her hands on her jeans and smiles. She's chewing, and Paige says, I told Iowa I needed a little more time to decide. Emily's like, really? You're reconsidering? What changed? Come on, Paige. Like, Emily can't make decisions. She yeah. just needs you. She she only needs one girlfriend around. Like, all the other girlfriends need to leave. That's the only way she's going to make a decision. Yeah. Um, Paige says, I remembered something. I'm not the only one of demons. And not facing mine, that'd be a lot like high school, too. This decision was a lot easier when the world seemed black and white, like a shadow play. Well, what, do you, like, what do you think about this sudden reluctance here from Paige? Like I feel you like mean, there's two ways to read this. Finding uh, the thing in uh-huh. uh, Allison's purse. <laughs> I mean, there's like a a positive and a negative way you can read it, I guess. Like if you're okay. if you're being suspicious of Paige, it's like, oh, she saw an opportunity where Ali was weak, and she's going to take it. Which I would salute. The other way, the, the more charitable way of reading this, I guess, is that Paige realizes that Ali is pregnant, and it's like, oh, this is what Emily has been acting so weird about and that she wouldn't talk about. Like, therefore, Allie's not a threat. It's just like, now I know why they're whispering to each other constantly. Which I would salute as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, I mean, the second choice is obviously a great, reasonable, hey, we're all adults. We all work together. Let's be normal here. The first one is like, after some of the shit Allison's done to her, I almost want, you know, Paige to pounce on Allison's weakness. Not that I consider what Allison's going through necessarily weakness, but like, you know, you almost want Paige to get a win. <laughs> it kind of feels like it's, I don't think it's either or, I guess there's, there's probably like much more heavily leaning to one side and the other, but I don't think Paige is necessarily totally innocent or like totally uh, maniacal well, here. You know, she may not know. She just, you know what, right now this, this feels like the thing. Um, plus they've been talking about, you know, even as they've been so conflicted, how, this thing between the two of them getting back together, like has definitely been, you know, not just subtext. Um, so Emily's like, well, you, we, you could always race for it. Like we did it back in college page last. She's like, Hey, don't mock it. I made a lot of big decisions that way. 
And he's like, yeah, like, should we have pizza for dinner or pad thai? And Paige is like, English major or biology? Which Would you really just flip a coin on that? Those are really different disciplines. Or or race for it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Paige's like, dorm or off-campus apartment? And he's like, you regretted that one. She like, whacks her finger at Paige. Paige's like, yep. But they chuckle at this. Paige has this gleam in her eye now. And she's like, let's do it. Let's race for it. So she stands up and is a little confused. Uh, this is the impulsive crazy page that she likes. And she's like, Paige, I'm not racing to decide your future. I mean, this is your life. And Paige's like, I know it is. And I don't know how else to decide. So she readies to get on her bike. And she gives her this questioning look like she's still not following her though. And Paige's like, I'm serious. Apple Rose is the finish. I win, I go to Iowa. You win, I stay. Um, some hand clappy music starts playing the soundtrack. It's time to get crazy. And he's like, you're insane. And Paige is like, you're just afraid you're going to lose. So M gets up on, on her bike. This really like, reminds me of uh, that uh, Seinfeld episode where that guy made a bet with Elaine that like he would I choose obviously... not to run. That well, not, no, not that one. The one oh. where he like he bets Elaine that Nixon's middle name was Mo. Oh, oh, and, like, to uh, to like to go on a date with her. Yeah, yeah. If he yeah. lost, he had to take her out to dinner. It's like, wait a minute, this bet's a little bit shady. What was the other one? Is like uh, whether or not Dustin Hoffman's like Jewish, something like that. Um, yeah, so. Emily's like, my bum shoulder can beat your bum knee any day of the week. Paige is on her bike now. She's ready to raise. And Paige's like, get ready. Go. So Paige takes off and like paddles the catch up. And he's like, okay, wait up. This is not a fair start. Paige doesn't care. She just pedals on. So they race with, you know, Paige ahead at first. But Emily quickly gaining. And she looks down to focus on her pedaling before was, we know at, it. Like, at this point, I was totally expecting a car to just come out of nowhere and demolish Paige. Oh, man. Know, can you imagine how mad people would be in Marlene if that one happened? Well, because we know this is not her last episode. So yeah. would she be would she be in a in a hospital next week? And Emily's like, let's get married. <laughs> and then Paige dies too. Oh my god. Family. I would, comes around I would almost respect that for the, for the pure insanity of like we're just doing the exact same plot line twice. Like that would be kind of amazing in its callowness. This hospital is fucking killer, man. <laughs> no one gets gets out of here. Um no, I kind of was rooting for Paige to just like turn to the right and just like st- stroll on down the street, not looking back. Like, fuck you, Emily, I'm gone. Um, but yeah, before we know it, Emily's like skid to a stop. She's looking for Paige. She's like, Paige, Paige. This is what I was like, oh, yeah, Paige is gone. She left. Um, she looks back. Paige is dismounting her bike behind her. And Paige is like, actually, I've already decided. I'm staying. She walks right over to Emily's surprise, smiles, gets it. They like, kiss and make out in the middle of the street, laughing and then hugging each other. And it it it's nice. It's sweet. It's a little bit crazy considering life decisions are at, at stake here. Well, no, it sucks because right, we I know read this, this is her second to last episode. The way I read this, Paige let Emily win. Like obviously, oh yeah, yeah we'll she, she, she stopped. She the decision was already made. You know, um, and Emily's into it and she's making out. The, yeah, and like you're saying, it's a nice moment. I wish that we didn't know from like social media and like other sources that like pages last episode is next week. Because if you didn't know that, and if you didn't know that like Jay Mitchell and Sasha Petersa had been like hyping Emerson for like the past year, yeah, you might not know what to expect in the next episode. You know, it'd be like, Ooh, this is a new wrinkle. I wonder how that's going to go down. Yeah. Um, but because we know that supposedly Lindsay Shaw's last episode is next week, it's like, well, this is probably only going one way then. Yeah. And it's weird because this is such a happy moment for them now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's like it's almost like, hey, Paley fans, stop watching the show now. <laughs> just let this be your happy ending, which just it's always a shame. I always hated those fans who who are always just like, as far as I'm concerned, the show ended in season three. You know. Well, uh, you know, there is that whole thing of like the the different endings for different types of fans, like the whole Breaking Bad thing, where the second to last episode is kind of one ending for the show, and the last episode is another ending for the show. Maybe. This is the ending for Paley fans. You just stop watching now. Yeah. Before she gets hit by the car. It's like, let's face it. You, you don't care who A is. <laughs> just, just enjoy these two success together. Um, so back at the Darling Duck, there's a little toy ballerina dancing in a music box in the foreground. And we rack focus over to Allie in the background. And she turns to look at it. She walks over to the music box, which is on the counter. There's Julie, the clerk behind it. And she's like, how'd it go? And Allie's like, Fine. So she like slowly sets that barcode scanner down. Like she's coming out of a daze, turns to leave. What the hell does Julie think of this? And she's like, oh, wait. She like ducks behind the counter, brings up the small gift bag. She's like, don't forget the item you asked for. Us to, asked for us to put on hold for the donor. And Allison's eyes shoot up when she processes this. And she's like, what? What did you say? And Julie's like, you asked us to put this on hold for the egg donor. We personalized in everything. <laughs> so she pulls the gift out of the bag. It's a gold necklace with some like white cube charms on it. See? And Allie takes a mounting dread, almost like like all of us, knowing exactly what it's going to say. She holds it up close. Again, rack focus from, from Allie to the necklace, which has little blocks that spell out Emily. Between hearts, yeah. Uh, yeah, they went there. As, as many predicted, it's the Emerson baby. And Allie starts to recall memories from uh, the past season and a half. We hear her in voiceover say, you're donating your eggs? When is this happening? And Emily's like, today, they're my eggs. And I made the decision. I want to help someone start a family if I can. And there's like a heartbeat thumping under all this. And Allie turns away and we see Julie, the clerk looks a little concerned. Uh, is it all, it's all coming together in Allie's head right now. Emily's saying mm-hmm. they're my eggs. And I made the decision. They're my eggs. And I made the decision. Uh, and Allie <laughs> just starts to like fugue out at this point. She kind of flashes to being in Welby, being rolled into that operating room in the middle of the night. And then we just hear Emily's voice saying, my eggs, my eggs, they're my eggs. And I made a decision. And Julie's like, are you okay? Do you need to sit down? And Allie kind of like comes out of her fugue and she spins around in a panic. And she's like, where is it? And Julie's like, what, what are you talking about? Or what are you looking for? And Allie says, the puzzle piece. They must have told you to put it somewhere. And Julie's like, I'm not sure. And Allie's like, I need it. And Julie kind of just holds her hands up like she's freaked out by Allie's madness here. And Allie's like, okay, I need that damn puzzle piece. And Julie's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what piece you're talking about. And then we hear Allie in voiceover say, you're donating your eggs. And Allie rushes away from the counter. She kind of like sticks a hand out as she goes to knock a bunch of rubber duckies off a shelf just because fuck those things, I guess. Uh, And then we hear Emily in voiceover say, my eggs, I made a decision. They're my eggs and I made a decision. And Allie like stumbles over to this like mobile by the exit and she looks up and there amongst all these little like star things hanging on strings in the mobile is a puzzle piece. And Allie stares at it for a moment and then she snatches it and takes off. Yeah, chaos of the darling duck. Um, Eggs. You know, all of this is just brilliant social engineering by A, except for the puzzle piece and the. What if she didn't see it? I I guess this is by the exit. You're really hoping it's going to be in her eye line, you know? Well, like if if she fugues the fuck out, freaks out, runs out the door because you know she's obviously being hunted by those voiceovers off screen from previous episodes. Ad texts her and it's like, oh, you got to go back in. I'll give you a hint. It's uh, it's among the stars hanging. It's a mobile. Just go to the fucking mobile. 
like how many how many weird a things has a left around over the course of the show and like they just never they found haven't it. yeah 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 so, so some yeah. like random janitor finds it later what the fuck is this well like like a video game where it's like the open world but you don't you don't choose all the storylines and goals and things mm-hmm. there's just rosa just got a shit ton of unused plots laying around well so like um, who's the father well and that's the question is is archer still on the table like, i mean I don't he's not a real doctor, so he would have nothing to do with that. Um I don't know. I mean the the procedure involved in implanting eggs is I'm sure not uh not uncomplicated, you know. So like I feel like you would need to be even a specialized doctor to even pull something like that off. But, but presumably you would need the uh the eggs and the sperm separate before it, you it's not like you them. just get a turkey baster or something. Like that's like right. a like a total like careful procedure I and mean, people like have that don't, done to them and you, it doesn't take you know and, don't yeah. you fertilize the egg and then and then plant it in the yeah oven? i think so. so i mean i don't i can't i can't claim to be that knowledgeable about ivf but um yeah uh let's just say peter hastings is a placeholder most likely yeah let's go with that <laughs> papa hastings all the Emily Allison. it's super weird but <laughs> scotch somehow uh, before the show is done like all lines will eventually lead back to peter hastings some way or another yeah like the family tree will just have them all connected <laughs> i get around i got a lot of jam no, no joke ladies no joke um are you yeah what but what like if you're a writer for the show what point do you want people to guess that it's emily's eggs are you looking at like I mean, was people it, guess it immediately, pretty much. Yeah, but I mean, are you like, oh, that's great, or are you like, oh shit? <laughs> I mean, it's basically as soon as there is a line when Allie reveals that she's pregnant, and Emily asks who the father is, and she's like, "Are you sure?" or something like that. Like, as soon as that got out there, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, it's obviously not Archer's baby, and because of the whole eggs thing, we're pretty sure that Emily's some, somehow magically going to be the uh, the mother. Yeah, who knows who the father is? Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, I guess there's probably certain things that you you're totally OK and you want your audience to guess because that'll re I don't know, re up itself once it comes true and they'll feel like, yeah, I guessed it. You know, like a loss when it was like, gee, I wonder if uh, the guy who conned Sawyer's mom was, you know, so and so's dad, yeah. you know, like uh, I really tried not to spoil it there. But like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, meanwhile, well, I mean, Aria, go- the, the thing about that, though, is that the main if you're like, oh, maybe em- it's Emily's baby. The only thing stopping you from assuming that is is people being like, they wouldn't really go there, though, would they? And it's like, yeah, they went there. In your fucking face, they yeah. went there. Um, yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, Arya, yes, we wonderfully suffer her to go her own dark ways through a park or something. She's near some construction. She's watching her phone and tells her, like, you have arrived at your destination. Uh, so she looks up and sees a black limo parked in the alleyway. Arya stops, turns around, maybe not sure about going through with this, because it seems bonkers, but the door of the limo opens behind her. So she looks back, thinking about it, eyes searching for a trap. That open door beckons, and then, so after a few beats, she sets her jaw, slowly walks over to the limo, and slides in. Um, inside, we, she sits across from a figure shrouded in shadows on the other side. Arya's like, are you? And um, the voice says, A.D.? A.D.? And the figure pulls off the hoodie, and it's Sydney fucking Driscoll. She leans back and eyes Arya coolly. 
our eyes are wide and surprised as we go to commercial. Yet yeah, your your eyes and mine both, Arya. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. When I watched this, I was like, okay, it's a uh, it's episode seven fourteen. She's obviously not AD. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like obviously this is a flunky or a helper or whatever. Well, it's like you're just waiting for like what what is the way you buy out of this well, who, who watches um, pll and it's like what sydney's ad oh i'm so upset right now like come on like you just start watching tv yesterday you know yeah 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 i i wish that pll fans were like that and that also there was like equally entertaining uh like youtube reactions yeah. videos a la like the red wedding mm-hmm. <laughs> no 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 yeah. um afterwards we're, we're after the, the thing, we're back in the limo of Arya staring down, sitting in her A hoodie. They're, they're driving now. The car's moving. And Arya's like, you shot Spencer? You helped Jenna escape? You made up the gay? And so he's like, correct. And the audience is like, bullshit. Yeah. Although, I, like, should we take this as true that she shot Spencer? I mean, I just don't know. I remain skeptical. Um, yeah. Until a dream tells me otherwise. But Arya's like, I barely know you, Sydney. You're hardly a character on this show. Why are you doing this? Nice Hansen doesn't say anything, and Arya's like, if this has anything to do with Jenna, and he says, it doesn't. Um, so her face is like full of scorn and contempt, which I believe is real. And Arya's like, why now? Why are you letting me see who you are? Because you're desperate, and I can use desperate. Um, so Arya like takes a breath, she's thinking fast, and Sydney says, you said you want out of the game? And Arya's like, yes, the game, all of it. What about your friends? What about them? Do they know you're here? And Arya's like, no so he's like good <laughs> he does want so much. Don't, um, don't make me laugh i'll start coughing um yeah aria's phone beeps and she checks it she sees she's got three missed calls from Allie and texts from her too saying where are you uh, where did you go call me and she says nothing looks back at sydney and sydney kind of keeping her eyes on the shisher there and she reaches up to hit the intercom button by her head and she says let's take the scenic route <laughs> and they drive on and Arya's trying not to feel guilty about all this. I mean, this is this is all we ever wanted from an Arya storyline, right? No, this is perfect. Um but seriously, I mean, our horrible voice aside, there's a there's a girl like a little girl on Bob's Burgers. I feel like I'm doing her voice for this. But like Sydney, the real uh what's her name? I forget the actress's name. Chloe Bridges. Chloe Bridges, which unfortunately uh someone pointed out to us. I did know that she's dating Adam Devine. I just didn't have the joke. I didn't want to make the joke because I didn't want to mention Adam Devine on our podcast because I, I respect our podcast. But not, um, not a fan of Adam Devine, huh? Yeah, well. Um, so it's like Sydney uh, like just decided one day, their they're Chloe Bridges decided one day that she's going to talk like Jimmy Cagney and Edward G. Robinson's love child. But uh, Well, just the line, what about your friends? And Ari says, what about them? She's ice cold. <laughs> well, she's becoming like the action star that Spencer usually is. Um <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Lucas's loft, fucking Pastor Ted is there, and Hannah walks in from the kitchen of a beer. She's just like, "Is beer all right?" And he's like, "Oh, sure, anything. Do you have O'Doul's per chance?" Do you have some O'Doul's? Yeah. Uh, they sit on the couch. Ted looks nervous and squirrely. It's like it's this is his first time in a whorehouse or something. And Hannah says, "I was hoping to hear from you soon, but I didn't expect today." And he's like, "This place is," and Hannah's like, "Not mine. It's a friend's." I mean, the mess is mine, but all the nice stuff is on loan. And he and takes, he like, starts, the weakest swig of beer ever. Like, he's never held a bottle before in his life. I'm usually a glass man. No, yeah. uh, he also, he shifts on that couch a little bit because, you know, the talcum powder. Mm-hmm. And then he just stews, like, trying to swallow and not making eye contact. And Hannah's like, are you okay? And he says, I lied to you today about Mary. I have seen her. 
In fact, she spent the last few nights on my sofa. And Hannah's like, but did you smash? So do you think that the uglies were bumped? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, former lovers crashing I've, for a few days. I mean, she's never managed to stay friends with any of her lovers, but, uh, hmm. Like, uh, I don't know. Do you have any theories about how that went down? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I think Pastor Ted was like, there's a sofa. And she's like, that's cool. And then she just like walked into his bedroom and like, Somehow I was like wearing some outfit that just like all her clothes fall off at once. Right, right. And he's just like gulp. He's like splurge. Yeah. And then he and then like cut to five minutes later. And he's like, this doesn't usually happen to me. I'm I'm usually much more of it. And she's just like, stop. She like smokes her cigarette. Um, I, I think that's why he has Cialis for everyday use. <laughs> Fortunately for him, it's it's covered under the new health care bill. <laughs> so back to the a <laughs> Oh my god, like none of Mary is covered. Everything about Mary is a pre-existing condition. <laughs> yeah, in oh, the A limo, Sydney is pouring herself a glass of some serious scotch from the mini bar there. And she's like, drink. And Arya's like, no. And Sydney shrugs and takes a swig, puts a bottle away. And Arya happens to spot uh, an earpiece in Sydney's left ear when her head is turned there. And we can just see the wheels turning in her head now as Arya's mentally cataloging Sydney as just another A puppet. And she says, So what happens next? How do I get out? Sydney says, there is no out, but you could change sides, be a part of the winning team. And Arya's like, you want me to join you in torturing my friends, you and whoever's on the other end of that earpiece? Sydney kind of scowls and looks away. She knows she's been made. And Arya's like, no, never. Well, maybe. Uh, She looks around and she spots the controls for the privacy screen. She's reaching up, about to hit that button. And Sydney's like, I wouldn't do that. And Arya stops. She's watching Sydney very closely right now. And Sydney's like, leaving Ali and coming here is an important step towards earning AD's trust. But you still have a long way to go and a decision to make. And then the limo kind of screeches to a halt and the door unlocks. And Sydney's like, here's where we leave you. And Sydney uh, pulls the earpiece out now. She looks very nervous. And Ari kind of whispers, she's like, why are you doing this? You, Sydney, why are you doing this? And Sydney's like, because it's no fun being on the losing team. And Ari just kind of ponders this as. Sydney is just like watching her sadly, and then Ari opens the door and gets out. What, 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 what game of life are you losing, Sydney? Like, yeah, like I, I do wonder what was it like for Sydney to be on the losing team. She seems like she's doing pretty well. She's got double some major, fancy banker French. job. Yeah, yeah, fancy banking job. Going to going to galas where senators' daughters are also in attendance. I do um, wonder did did AD somehow set that all up? So my first thought was like, how long things. has she been playing the game? Yeah, my first thought was two things. One, uh, what if Ari was like, do you expect me to talk? And Sydney was like, no, bitch, I expect you to die. Um, and then, like, what if Ari did hit that privacy screen, but, like, actually now it's Pigtunia driving, and he's mm-hmm. like, Sydney, time for a new deal. It <laughs> just drives off the cliff, yeah. But uh, I don't know. This was, like, it's it's captivating enough. I mean, it's a, it's a general, like, ooh, what's going to happen next once you see Sydney in the hood there and everything, but... It felt like I know you never really watched it, like something out of like the mentalist of like fucking Red John, and they have to like keep kicking the can down the road and like, oh, here's a reveal, but it's yeah. not actually Bradley Whitford. I mean, it's yeah. more confirmation that AD just has a bunch of people playing the game, not just liars. Uh, well, she's like, apparently co-opted Sydney and Jenna thing into minions. Um, who knows how many other people too? You know, like Lucas, Shower Harvey, Noel, like they're seemingly all playing the game. 
maybe yeah, even Ar- Archer and uh, Mary Drake too. For whatever reason, so now it's like you have to wonder, like with everyone else, is that Sydney in the red wig handing Jenna the Braille master plan? Is oh, it that, Sid- that, Sydney that reminds the maid? me. That reminds me. I've seen. I think we got tweeted about this a few times. Do you think that there is more than one like A right now, like an Uber A, and then like a, an A emoji? I feel like I saw something from my Marlene King where the answer was no, but who knows? I guess my impression is that like AD is like Uber A, the big A, whatever, and everyone else is a minion. You know, like mm. if Lucas is revealed to be part of things, he's going to be a minion, just like Sydney is, just like Jenna is, just like potentially Archer and Mary were. Like they're all just minions to the one big A. Oh, uh, there was something. Oh, now that we have like the uh, the the voice altered A AD, like. I thought which about running great. that through a thing, yeah. Which is great. Like, uh, um, you got a cold, which is perfect for it. Um, which is a great, because, you know, it's hard when it's always the text message. And so the girls have to read the messages out loud to give them, like, an actual voice. I always felt like the next evolution of that should be something where um, just random strangers have to, like, turn to them and, like, give them each new line of an A message. Like, as like, they received it through an earpiece or something. What does that um, remind me of? That reminds me of something. It, I don't know. There's some movie or horror thing or something. It's probably something to do with mind control that I'm thinking I feel of. Like maybe, but like, maybe person of interest. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I feel like that. That reminds me of like just random people on the street saying something. Yeah. Or where was that fucking movie of Denzel Washington and John Goodman? Oh yeah, yeah. Um. um oh, what was the name of that? Was it? Oh, Fallen. Fallen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, uh, it would be interesting though if like if you went from the void of no face to like a could have like any face, which is what mm-hmm. I guess the voice of the, the computer alternate voice, but also the fact that like, well now here's fucking Sydney, <laughs> you know, it could be anyone, anyone could be a minion or being blackmailed or whatever. Well, like they did a move. Uh, I think this is like in John wick too, I think where like in the middle of a crowded city square or something like that. And then suddenly like everyone stops cause they're all controlled by AD. Hmm. Hmm. That just makes me think now that based on uh, Allison and Fury's like conversation in the classroom, I want Allison to finally get to the point where she's just like, "Yeah, I'm guessing I'm back," you know, and she pulls out a gun and shoots somebody. People keep asking, "When am I going to be back to bitchy old Allie?" <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing I'm back, bitch. Those eggs were a gift from my longtime ambiguous girlfriend. <laughs> like Spencer fucked you, Marco. Damn, she must be fucked up right now. Ooh, no offense. <laughs> Ooh, he's like, hey, get off my back. I only have one suit. <laughs> um, so back at Lucas's loft, Pastor Ted's coming clean, <sighs> and he's like, I knew Mary when when I was in college. <sighs> I was a senior, and she was a free spirit. Um, he basically just called her a whore. Yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy's straight up garbage. Um, he's like, we dated for a while, and she just disappeared. So, like, how to... how much effort did Pastor Ted really put into finding Mary after she disappeared? Like, he's None. he's a Zero. senior in college. She's like some local townie who he's just been like throwing some humps into on occasion. She ghosts him, and he's just like, whatever. Does doesn't ever put any effort or yeah, whatever. She's gone. This is 100% the version of the story that makes him look nice. Like, I'm sure he's he said some mean things to her. I'm sure he's degraded her. Well, no, I, I, probably she just got pulled back to the nut house, I, I assume is what happened there. 
Yeah, but I, I think probably also he he probably wanted to keep it a secret at the time because he didn't want to know that he's like, you know, smashing, crushing bodies with the. Uh, the well, weird this is before girl. he was a pastor, though. This is in Still, his his. his uh, this guy's whole existence is like privilege, though. I feel like mm, I feel like you're maybe you're projecting a little bit. Sure, you think so? You think I'm projecting on the Pastor Ted? I don't know. I feel mm. like maybe a little. Uh, huh. Anyway, Hannah says, "Why didn't you tell us about this before? We really could have known that." And he says, "Because I already promised Mary I wouldn't tell anyone when she was staying with me. I was trying to keep my word to an old friend and lover." <sighs> that was before, and he looks away. He's kind of pained. He drinks some more. And Hannah's like, before what? And Pastor Ted says, after your visit, I asked Mary why she really came to see me after all this time. She told me we had a child together. So, like, he's just finding this all out now, I guess. Yeah. And he has this, like, guilty look on his face, like a five-year-old who just got caught with his dick in the cookie jar. And Hannah's like, Charlotte? And he's like, yeah. And he pulls out a photo from his jacket pocket. It's going to ruin those cookies. Yeah. Gives a photo to Hannah and he says, only I knew her as Charles. And the photo shows Pastor Ted with uh, two young boys on either side of him. The one on the right looks very young, uh, has dark hair. And the one on the left is older and blonde. I think it's the same actor that they've cast. I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it, it looks like it's the same actor from the... Uh, well, maybe uh, not. I don't know. It does look a little different. It's hard to tell. Oh, to me, it looked like uh, like Cousin Freddy. The yeah. Flashback. The other... The other boy with the dark hair, if that boy was the same age as other characters in the show, he'd probably be, I don't know, 25-ish now. Well, I mean, that, the dark-haired one is like a good eight or nine inches shorter than, uh, than yeah. Charlotte slash Charles there. Um, yeah. So anyway, what's Pastor Ted saying about this? He says, 15 years ago, uh, I ran a camp for troubled boys. Charles was one of my campers. He was soft-spoken, sweet, way smarter than all the other kids. I had no idea. And Hannah says that she was your child, and he kind of nods sadly. And Hannah says, the other boy in this photo, do you know his name? And Pastor Ted says, that was Charles' only friend, Luke, Lucas maybe? And Hannah raised an eyebrow at this. She's like, Lucas Gottsman? And Pastor Ted's like, you know him? And Hannah says, you're sitting on his couch. And Pastor Ted kind of rolls his eyes and sighs some more. This is some really heavy shit for a man of cloth. (laughs) And he goes and he starts a fire and he throws his wallet and his phone in it and he just goes and starts a new life and forget. I mean, by the rules of PLL, if Lucas is now a suspect, he can't be AD, right? Yeah, yeah. It's too early for that. Six episodes to go? Yeah, I don't think Lucas is a suspect. Well, it's Lucas. Why was Lucas at a camp for troubled boys? First of all, Lucas would be like several years younger uh, than Charlotte. He'd be like six or seven maybe. You know, like I feel like the the ages don't match up, but whatever, you know, but, um, which is weird. Cause usually the age in the flashback so accurate. is yeah. so perfect. <laughs> I mean, previously we learned that Charlotte was eventually diagnosed with like, uh, was like spontaneous explosion disorder or something. Um, <laughs> we've, we've always had the impression that Lucas's dark side was just a result of Allie bullying him. Like, yeah, th- you know, cause they made fun of his boat that one time. Um, and, and called him Hermie. Like, I guess he was troubled before that is now what we're finding out. He's a, he's a troubled boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to Allie's house. We're in the family room. The lights are low. Emily's holding the puzzle piece in one hand and uh, she's got that charm necklace with her name on it in the other. And Emily says, what did AD make you do? 
And we see pan over to Allie in the foreground. She's facing away. She's stoic. And she says, Emily's like, Allison, what did you have to do to get the puzzle piece? And Allie says, find out the truth about the baby. Or at least I think it's the truth. And she turns back to Emily and she's fighting tears. And she says, it's not mine, Emily. It's yours. And Emily should just be like, uh, what? I don't think that's how it works, Allie. <laughs> this is what happens when you fake your own death for two years and miss health class. Oh, also, you've been reading too much fan fiction. <laughs> and Emily's like, what are you talking about? Allie takes a pained breath. She's kind of disgusted. And she says, they're your eggs. The ones you donated. And Emily's face is just like, oh, fuck, my eggs. And Allie's like, you were right. AD stole them. They must have been planning this for a really long time. Uh, and Allie's just kind of disgusted the whole thing. And Emily's just like, Allie, just because AD said so, it doesn't mean that it's true. And Allie's like, I remember the procedure, Em. And we get these kind of quick cut flashbacks to the A tag from uh, S7E2, where Allie is like drugged and being rolled into the operating room at Welby. And Allie says, They wheeled me out of my room at Welby. It wasn't Archer, it was someone else. They strapped me down. I tried to stay a week, I tried to fight it, but it was no use. We kind of fade to white from those uh, quick flashbacks and back to Allie and Emily just processing this new awful violation. They're both horrified. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little flashback to that bedlam. Um, so I feel like now that we got to this full reveal, what do you, what do you think about this storyline? Uh, I don't love it. I don't love that the characters are potentially going to be forced together romantically because of it. I guess, um, I mean, I, I think I said when we talked about this originally in 710, I, I, I like that they're not making it a romantic thing, at least right now. Like, I feel like this is being treated as some horrible violation to them and not yeah. like this fun romantic Which it is. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like, so far, I feel like the show's, like, at least going about it the right way. Like, I just hope that, like, if they get together, it's not because of this. It's because of their feelings for each other. You know, like, this doesn't it would be the wrong thing to play this as like, like a, a happy, you know, serendipitous moment. It's like, Oh, we should be together, you know? Well, okay. So a couple things too. It, it's weird because we just ended with this incredibly sweet, almost happily ever after Emily and page. Mm-hmm. It puts a lot of pressure on pages exit next week. And I don't doubt that there's a lot of tight ropes to walk. Yeah. It'll, I mean, I'm looking forward to this episode for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're going to have Paige exit, you're, you're going to give that to Joseph Doherty. And having Troy and direct, it's going to be very interesting. But, like, also, presumably Allison texted Emily, like, I need to talk to you, SOS, it's the biggest of emergencies or whatever. Because otherwise, like, wouldn't Paige just happily, or Emily happily be in the arms of Paige right now? Like, yeah, you wonder, was she like at at, <laughs> at Paige's place or something and gets a text and she's like, sorry, I got to go. And Paige's Paige just is like, like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Paige's like, can we can we bike race for you to stay? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's next? Like a, like a trash can kicking contest? Oh, I think uh, <laughs> all the trash cans in Rosewood are on high alert for next episode. A storm is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so later at the barn, Spencer walks in to find Peter Hastings sitting inside on her couch. Um, Spencer spots well, Peter. Where, where has Spencer been? We wonders. Perhaps driving a limo around. Because I mean, when's the last time we saw her with Hannah? When it was still light outside. Uh, I think she was probably playing a game called "Roughing Up the Suspect" of Detective Marco Fury. 
Mm-hmm. I guess that's one way. Or or she's uh, uh, evil twins, or you know, or both. Um. So she kind of stops abruptly when she sees uh Peter. She hisses like a cat. Um. And she's like, Dad, God, you scared me. Um. He's like, I've been waiting for you for hours. I was worried sick. She's like, well, I was just looking for Mary. I know. I spoke with my investigator. I figured out the rest. What were you thinking? She's like, that I need to talk to her, that I have questions, and they need answers. Mary's dangerous, Spencer. She cannot be trusted. So she's like, oh, and you can? Do you hear yourself? You've been lying to me for my entire life, literally from day one, and I did use that correctly. Um, Peter's like. Peter should just be like, I'm Hastings. What do you expect? That's how we do things. Yeah. 100%. 100%. We're, we're not telling you the truth, but we're doing it for your own good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lie if you believe it. Um, Peter's like, there are things about this woman that you just don't understand. Um, Peter's like, or Spencer's like, then tell me. Try being honest for once in your life, or I'm going to walk out that door and I won't come back except to get my stuff and then leave again. Peter says nothing. Suspension. She like grabs her purse. And he's like, okay, okay. He holds out a hand and stop her. It's going to be hard for him. He's going to tell the truth for once. He's like, the last time I saw Mary was when you came back from rehab. Flashback. So we're at the end of season four, episode 22, cover for me. When Spencer is in her room and creepy-ass Jessica Diorentis like, appears from the shadows behind her, she approaches Spencer like, like Terminator style. Um, and Veronica off-screen is like, Spencer, Spencer. And so Spencer turns. And it's just her mom approaching. Jessica's gone. Well, and, and I don't know if we talked about it when we talked about that episode, but it was fantastic the way that like, Veronica like kind of just like appeared out of what should have been the the shadow that was yeah she comes out of the shadows where you where you thought jessica was yes which is like just a great like i don't know if this was on the table for the writers back in season four but i hope so because it seems brilliant now and veronica's like are you okay which like looks out the window as veronica tries to comfort her speed freak daughter a shadow moves on the wall behind them as jessica leaves she's like looking out the window i always wondered about the are you okay line like, why okay. would Veronica be asking her if she's okay at this point? Well, this is also where we realized that previously unmentioned during that summer, like, Spencer was, like, the most menace of menaces, you know, and, for addiction. And seemingly did not remember it. And Veronica was like, well, be happy you don't remember. And Spencer's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, like we would found out that, like, there'd be times when Spencer's just, like, hanging in the shadows outside buildings, like, Didn't know whether it was going to be you or your evil twin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which is, like, if she has a twin, really fucked up. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Yeah, so, uh, got to downstairs where Peter in this flashback scenario is enjoying a nightcap. I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch in my belly. Um, behind him, we see Jessica move to the door, but Peter notices uh, we think it's Jessica and hits the lights before she can leave. He's like, Jessica, what are you doing here? We can't smash now. Um, my wife is here. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica looks upstairs at a loss, trying to smile like it's no big deal. And she's like, uh, and he's like, what the hell are you doing in my house in the middle of the night? And she's like, I had to see her. It was just one look. She's beautiful. Isn't she, Peter? Our daughter recognition like you know dawns on his face and he's just like holy fucking shit mary um so in flashback says he's She's just like, told the story yes Spencer. peter it is i your lover and he grabs he breaks a chair and grabs the broken leg and just like aims it right at her heart uh <laughs> that's just like she wanted to see me and he's like no spencer she wanted revenge he's like she's crazy why do i have to keep explaining this to you she is dangerous <laughs> what are you not getting to give you the lay of the fucking land. Um, so the music builds. We go to commercial. Spencer's like contemplating this wrinkle. Um, 
After the commercial, Peter's filling her in still on the, all the twisted machinations of the Hastings dealer and his clans. Uh, he's like, Mary was unhinged, to say the least. So he sits, he gathers his thoughts. And he's like, Jessica told her that Charles was dead. Somehow she found out that wasn't true, that Charles was Charlotte and alive. Um, so Spencer sits down on the other side of the couch, like doing the math, figuring out this means Peter should have known who A was. And he's like, she couldn't believe that Jessica lied to her like that. She wanted her to pay. She wanted her dead. When I refused to help, she turned on me too. Mary killed her sister. She used my pills to do it. She buried her in our backyard. She killed Jessica and she did everything she could to frame me for it. But just like, are you sure? I mean, they were sisters, twins. Um, I mean, come on. Are you sure it's not that fucker, Ken? I still, uh, I hold out hope. Um, well, I mean, it's can we take what Peter is saying seriously? You know, it's like the other stuff I was talking about is do we just take this as the truth or not? I mean, Peter Hastings is a, he's been known to lie in the past. He's been known to cover up for the good of the family. Who knows what really happened? Well, so here's, here's the danger with how you as the creative force behind a show interact with your audience because they've hyped this as, oh, this is the episode where you find out who killed Jessica. The or like the, the marketing has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, at some point, I don't know, like, do you as a writer slash creator, do you contradict the marketing? Or are you just like, uh, I want, I want to hype you up, but we got to walk this back just a tad because, um, you know, they did all the stuff where it's like, Oh, RIP Tobe, you know, after, after yeah, seven yeah. ten. Um, I mean, anyway, obviously so. the network and the marketing has a lot of control over that. They just have to deal with, you know? Yeah. So Peter's like, now do you understand why I don't want you to find her? Why I want to keep you her away from this family. And Spencer's like, you knew about Charlotte before the dollhouse? And he nods. He's like, I'll be damned if I ever let something like that happen to you again. Now, you can hate me, Spencer. I can live with that. But please, please let me protect you from Mary and your 25 other siblings. <laughs> she just kind of stares at him very coldly. Well, so if Peter knew who Charlotte was, he seemingly perhaps found out in that episode in 422 there. Mm -hmm. He must be able to figure out that it's Cece Drake, right? Well, that's that's the that's the thing. He knows there's a Charlotte. Does he know that it's Cece? That's, that's, yeah, that's and and question. and even if he did, would he have been able to put two and two together before six ten to think, right. oh, this this person is perhaps the one threatening my children? Yeah, because granted, okay, so all of this uh, <laughs> this Bob and Ted, Carol and Alice thing has been going on between these two families, you know, fifteen plus yeah. years ago, but like. I, I totally get he's freaking out. He comes home like uh, Jason and Melissa are making out in the car. He's like, fuck no. But at some point, wouldn't even Peter be like, hey, Jason, uh, your new girlfriend. Maybe uh, don't go that direction. <laughs> Just saying she might be your sister cousin. Well, I know that uh, a lot of people are still have a lot of issues with CC Drake having Drake as last name. And like, how would Ken not know that that's like his, you know, Weiss or you know uh, sister-in-law's kid or you know something like that like Drake is like a really common surname uh -huh. so I can buy that you know like also it's it's not quite Johnson but it's close as far as like last names go yeah yeah it's not like it's a Smith but like also I think the best detail of the villainy of Ken uh, that we saw in 610 is that he's basically I fucking CC when he first meets her yeah yeah I mean, he's like, he's like, basically like, you can tell that the way they're playing it, like, he's just like, oh, hi, 
I'm Mr. Well, De Laurentiis. If, if one assumes that, then his mind probably doesn't even want to go in that direction of thinking this yeah. person could be related to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you meet somebody with your same last name, do you automatically be like, oh my God, are we related? I mean, if, if it was uh, De Laurentiis, super... you'd be like, oh, that's a little specific. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Drake is fairly common as a certain name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back at Allison's house, she's watching a fly crawl on the screen outside her window. She makes a phone call and on the phone, we hear a woman say, woman's wellness center. How can I help you? And Allison's like, I want to cancel my appointment. So camera kind of pans to the side in the background out of focus. We could see Emily like stewing with her arms crossed. And Allison's like, I just, we need more time to figure things out. And Emily kind of stays quiet, lost in thought. Um, you know, here's my thing, though. This is still Allison's decision. It is. Yeah, I, I did see a little bit of debate about this. I mean, ultimately, it's Allie's body. So, yeah, obviously, I mean, she's going to want to talk about this with Emily. But one of them actually has to have the kid. One of them doesn't, you know. I mean, this is this is a very complicated situation. Yeah. But, I mean, I could I could see where, you know, a conversation could be had. But, like. Yeah, and ultimately, it's all in service to Allison being able to make this decision. It's not just generally, it's she's a woman. This is her body. It's her decision. It's a fight for my dying day to that, right? But like, also, she laid out to Emily in that classroom earlier all of the reasons why this decision, especially now, is important to her. It doesn't really matter if it's Archer AD doing this to her. Control was ripped away from but, her. But but now it just need. understandably, it's it's much more complex now. Well, here's the thing yeah. I've forgotten from the Emily thing. Was this all of Emily's eggs? Like, does she have none left? I don't think that's the way it works. Okay. I, th- I think you can still have kids afterwards. Okay. Um, anyway, cut to the Liar's Lament game board. Spencer fits the latest puzzle piece uh, into the little spot in the center of the map and then covers it with the A-phone. I definitely can't really tell what it is yet. Um, behind her, Hannah's watching with emily and Allie like sitting together on the couch in the background and uh, they kind of hannah or yeah hannah and spencer slowly drift over to emily and Allie. and hannah says do you need anything tea and Allie's like no and hannah puts a hand on emily's shoulder and she's like em and emily just shakes her head it does definitely make a difference like to see hannah being like caring and empathetic as a friend here rather yeah. than just yelling at everyone like i feel like yeah. we need a little bit more of this yeah like, can we go through an episode without Hannah just shouting about how this sucks and she doesn't want to do this, you know? Yeah, really. Uh, and then Arya finally shows up. She's like, hey, guys, sorry I'm late. What's going on? Because the room is a little chilly. And Spencer's like, where were you? We were calling. And Arya's like, yeah, sorry, I was helping us with Nicole. Did something happen? And Ellie's like, yeah, something happened. For starters, you left Allie. You, ban- you just abandoned her when she needed you. And uh, the shisher does not care for this attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. Allie, I'm sorry. Are you okay? And he's like, no, no, she's not okay. I'm not okay. No one's okay. And Spencer's like, Em, she doesn't know. Or he's like, I don't know what. And he says, the AD stopped playing games and started playing God. <laughs> you can tell Arya's just like, what? Stop dreaming dramatic and speak sense only. <laughs> Spencer has to uh, chime in for her tulpa here. She says, AD stole Emily's eggs from the donation bank, fertilized them, and then used them to impregnate Allie. Arya's kind of shocked and she looks to Allie and Emily and Arya's like, what? Can you even do that? Uh, and Hannah's like, God, it still sounds crazy. And Arya's like, guys, um, I don't know what to say. Spencer says, no one can imagine how violated and confused you, must, you both must feel right now. But Arya's turn is up next and who knows what AD is going to do to her. 
And Arya makes some guilty faces because she knows she ain't next. Hmm. And Spencer says, we need each other. We cannot let this game rip us apart no matter what. And Arya sighs, and then the game starts beeping. They get up and walk over to it, all except for Allie, who's just still kind of like sitting catatonic by herself. And a song starts playing. I don't know the name of this song, but the lyrics are just clever, clever devil devils. Uh, a phone shows an old photo of Arya with her pig, pink streaks on the board there. And then there's like church bells tolling. And each time bell tolls, it kind of switches to a photo of Spencer and then Emily. And like it's tolling each time, cycling through photos. And they're all kind of shaking their heads confused. It keeps cycling through the five of them like faster and faster. The pictures are flashing on the screen. And then finally, there's a loud buzz and it stops on Hannah. And Hannah's like, no, 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 this is a mistake. And Spencer's like, that's not right. And Hannah says, I'm not playing. I just, I just went. And Lee says, no, it's Arya's turn. It's supposed to land on Arya. And Arya's like, I know. I, I, I don't know what happened. Sorry. Spencer says, maybe get a do-over because you didn't get your piece. And Hannah's like, do-over? It just wrecked my life. Mm-hmm. Allie kind of rises up behind them and walks over. And Arya's like, Han, it's going to be okay. And Hannah's like, no, it's not. Oh, God, I can't do this. And Lee's like, it's broken. The game's got to be broken. And Allie walks up. She says, it's not broken. It knows exactly what it's doing. And she looks at Arya, and Hannah can't take anymore. She, like, runs away in tears. And the other girls all go to comfort her. And Arya gets a little text chime on her phone. Right now, the lyrics are saying, devil, devil. And on the phone from a blocked uh, caller, it says, made a decision yet? A.D. Devil, devil. And Arya holds that phone close, debating how evil she wants to be. Say some of that evil for Ezra, Arya. Seriously. Uh, the yeah. band is called Milk, M-I-L-C-K. And the song, shockingly, is called Devil, Devil. There you go. Uh, no A-tag. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Perhaps because Arya is the A-tag. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Arya tag. So, Dark Arya, working with A to have return skips. It's great uh-huh. because like, I feel like this is such a common comment in the past that it all seemed like she got like the lightest amount of fuckery from A. Yeah. And like now it's like an actual plot line. It kind of yeah. makes you wonder, has Arya done this in the past? Oh, uh, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful if you had like a weird flashbacks of that. I mean, I wonder though, is this the thing supposedly where Lucy Hale went to them and is like, uh, here's the thing I want to do in the final season? I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, can I have something other than just a bunch of scenes with Ezra? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a fun episode. Lots of answers if you're into that sort of thing. I, a lot of them were predictable, but not in an unsatisfying way. We kind of figured mm-hmm. this was the direction it was going. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's more to Lucas. What do we make about Pastor Ted being Charlotte's father? Like, does it does it mean anything? Does it matter really at all? I don't know. I can't. It seems like most of the utility there is just getting to Lucas being suspicious now. I wonder. Like, though, if we never saw Pastor Ted again, I don't think we're going to miss anything else. It was. Was it just like? they needed an answer to the paternity and it couldn't be Peter. And they were like, well, I don't think people will, will accept unless they get an answer of who the actual father is. So they just like, who's, who's a guy that we know who's not related to and anyone who's, else. Who's someone middle-aged. Yeah. And we, you know, it can't be principal Hackett. Yeah. I don't uh-huh. know. Yeah. I guess. And it's like, there's a kind of a little bit of a personal connection there with Hannah. So, yeah it would make sense for him to be more you know, forthcoming with her. I mean, it's not, 
if it means nothing, it's not a terrible choice because, like you said, it gets you from the one thing to the Lucas thing. Well, at least it it gives an answer, so you can kind of like stop theorizing about certain things with mm-hmm. the relation to Charlotte. You know, it's like okay, well, now we know who her dad is, so you have that that's locked down. You no longer like predicting all sorts of weird like you know father reveals and whatnot. Plus, like, like Scott Montgomery or whatever, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Plus all the people who were like, uh, who do you guys think? Pastor Ted? Baby Teddy? Hmm? I'm telling you That never you now. made any sense, right? Because Baby Teddy died. But I'm also saying Baby Teddy is uh, just but Pastor Ted. It's his alter ego for his fetish. Yeah. yeah. That's gross. I'm going to finish my baby bottle. <laughs> I'm staying. <laughs> um, one thing I was noticing about this episode they're setting up some sort of impossible romantic entanglements right now. Yeah. <laughs> this was the kind of trigger to that scene in 704, that really great Spencer Caleb Hanna scene. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if they're necessarily has something else like that in the chamber for us, but they definitely, you've got Aria, Nicole, Ezra, like there's no easy way out of that. Like someone's going to get fucked. Um, but isn't Nicole, I mean, I mean, I feel like, you could almost say that Nicole's. I'm sure there's more, but you could arguably arguably say that Nicole's storyline is done. Perhaps, yeah. I'm I'm a little bummed. Like I'm guessing they just don't have that actress, uh, Rebecca Seeds yeah. or something. I think I, I'm guessing they just don't have her available. Otherwise, I feel like there is a really great scene you could get there between the three of them. Um, or she could say Ezra in that delightful way. At least Ezra. Five yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love you fucking a, son of a bitch. Yeah, I would love the door chain scene where it's. Paige and Allison and Sabrina. <laughs> well, Paige, Allison, and Emily now is just like another impossible situation. You know, Emily basically just committed to Paige, and now she finds this out. Yeah, um, I mean, because her her love life is like a Three's Company episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, at at the very least, I feel like we're gonna get some good Paige, Allison, Emily stuff. Uh, probably not the Nicole stuff, unfortunately. Well, I don't know. We'll see. But some okay, some speculation for next week. Like, I'm fascinated because I know they hype that like you know Arya really drives the machinations of the plot, and it's nothing to do with Ezra really, mm-hmm. which is great. How the fuck is Ezra meeting a friend? I mean, I get that the, the actors are friends; it's great, but like, the fuck does that work? I'm really curious about the Ren stuff, yeah, and and how uh, how he is a link in the chain, I guess, you know, what, yeah. what he kicks off. Uh, another thing about the next episode too, the next episode is in the eye abides the heart. That is Joseph Doherty written Troy and Bell, sorry, directed obviously. Um, so in the eye abides the heart is the song that Mona is singing to herself at the Kingdom end of the Kingdom of the Blind, which Joseph Doherty yeah. also wrote in that episode. That's the episode where like Lucas goes dark. He's dark Lucas. Hmm. That's the one where he like lights his uh like report card or whatever on fire. And mm. Caleb's just like, you gotta stop doing that. Um that's also the one where they run into him at the Radley. He's visiting someone oh, oh, that we he has... talked about maybe you don't know that I'm here to see Mona. Maybe I have a lot of emotionally disturbed friends. Yeah. Could that perhaps have been Charlotte? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I maybe I should go rewatch that episode now. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, but I also like just uh uh Another one of the fine like touch points of Joseph Doherty and just like the lyric from the song. Um, like I said, I mentioned this before. There's some there's, there's a thing out there. Someone can explore it and write a great paper about 
the music of Joseph Doherty um, and PLL. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I can't believe we have to wait a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a week off. I mean, I guess it'll be nice to take a week off the podcast, but uh, I wish we had this episode like right now. Yeah. Um, from this episode on Twitter, as we're recording, Nicole, who always makes the best <laughs> gifts, where she supplies us to the show a little bit, pointed out that when Allison's in the teacher's lounge, like talking to Aria on Skype or FaceTime or whatever, she has just a, a mug full of fucking ice. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking ice in that mug, which I don't know. Is that a thing for morning sickness? Do you chop uh, down on ice like crazy? I don't know. I am not like aware. A, yeah. It's like an iceberg is about to hit the Titanic in that mug. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, uh, we got a couple reviews, one from catch me if you can a hole, uh, <laughs> nice name. And <laughs> one from Katie six, one, six, one, six, one, six, one. Uh, thank you to both of those. We always appreciate getting reviews in iTunes. It, uh, bumps us up in the ratings, uh, the top 100 and whatnot. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us at bros, watch PL2. Our website page is bros, watch PL2.com. Uh, people often ask us this. If you want to send us like a longer message, you can email us broswatchpl2 at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, just looking on Twitter here, it looks like Andrew has the theory that uh, Sydney is destined to die now because she's Jenna's last BFS standing. And all her friends die. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, just like the NAT club before him, like whatever Jenna's like B-Squad is, they all got to go. And and then perhaps will Anita replace her? Yeah. Or what if we just get a thing where like when Jenna finally goes, Arya like picks up the sunglasses and puts them on, and she's just like, "I'm Jenna now." <laughs> Arya's a uh, what do they call that? A uh, sin eater, where you like take on oh the, oh yeah 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 the yeah. attributes of whoever you murder. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Isn't there a little bit of that in Breaking Bad? Like, didn't like Walt take on those that was, qualities? That was like a theory, yeah, that like Walt was taking on the qualities of people he killed. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that does it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about In the Eye Abides the Heart. Yeah, can't wait. So, see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.